what is what is the what's the title of this episode? What is even happening? This is all on you, buddy. Oh my this god! Is, this is one hundred percent your episode. Is it time to buy? So, uh, reserved investments. Your favorite guy just came out with a. Uh, with an episode called the everything bubble. So should we just like piggyback off him? Yeah. All right. We should definitely ride his hump. Great. I mean, it's not like people haven't been saying the everything bubble for a year and a half now. The everything bubble is not as good as the everything bagel. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> hey, welcome back to another episode of collector's quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny. Johnny, what's going on? Oh, you know, just chilling in the crib with my homies. Is that me or just uh, people? A lot of people think we record this in the same room. Uh, no, we're not nope, chilling uh, in the crib right now. That's what I'm doing. That's what's going on. What's going on with you, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I voted today. It was voting day. Oh, it's actually early voting day. But you know what? Whatever. It'll be voting day by the time people listen to it. Johnny, uh, you taking a doing your civic duty? Yep, I already mailed my ballot out. Oh, you're so you're so good. Uh, I had a uh, Ada follows some political lady on Twitter who was like tracking the statistics. And it had like breakdowns by generation, and it's like eight percent Gen Z and sixty percent Boomers have voted. So uh, I sure wonder why old people are running the country, Johnny. Oh, it's uh, not really a mystery when when a generation feels kind of oppressed by the elder people and like that their voice is never going to be heard. It's weird how they become disenfranchised and don't feel like their vote counts or matters. And if you also want to feel that way, move to California because then your vote really doesn't matter. Uh oh hey I'm in a swing state my vote kind of matters. Hey, doing it. Um speaking of the socioeconomic situation in America, Johnny, the everything bubble question mark? Oh yeah, is there an everything uh bubble? I mean, I think there is or was an everything bubble. I think Did we it are pop? in I think we are in some crazy economic times. A, a bold statement. For one of our many bold statements on the Collector's Quest podcast. Uh, for more great advice, see previous <laughs> episodes where we talked about finances and see our track record. So, the reason I'm not going to predict the future is that I know how bad we are at it. But we can at least, you know, anyone can analyze charts, uh, technical analysis, whatever they want to do, and just say anything and as long as what they say is like is rooted in some amount of fact, it sounds like they know what they're talking about. And that's what we're going to do this episode, Johnny. We're going to pretend okay. to know what we're talking about on video game prices right now. I'm going to tell you how to do it and be successful. And this is how TV does it, especially sports. Here's the model. You make a lot of predictions all the time. You always act like you know what's going to happen. You keep saying how you know what's happening and you just reiterate and every point you can make about anything. So you make hundreds and hundreds of predictions, and then you never talk about the ones you got wrong, and you only come back to the ones you got right. So you can be like, see, if you remember back three months ago, I told you this was good. And that's that's Sounds. how sports does it, and that's how, uh, you know, all those political analysts do it. It's awful, but yeah, that's kind of how it is. So yeah, we could do that too. We could be assholes and just run that same model, right? I don't know what predictions to make. So my my kind of joke, but also serious prediction is everything goes up forever. And that's just kind of a blanket statement I apply to all video games. <laughs> Johnny, what the fuck am I talking about? I'm just cutting this. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about right you're, now. You're trying to get to the point where a lot of weird <laughs> stuff has happened in the economy right now. And historically, housing markets has gone have gone up and we've seen we see the trend and we see stocks going up. 
But also there's been this undercurrent for like the last, I want to say five years, maybe a little longer. That's been the Bitcoin train that Bitcoin people have been fueling all this other stuff, especially in collectibles as Bitcoin and crypto has just gone up and up and up. But Bitcoin finally took a big dump. Not that it hasn't done that before, but everybody's like, this is the reckoning with Bitcoin. So are we at now at a point where the everything bubble gets to pop or, and the market's been really weird and unstable and inflation is crazy. Are we at this nexus point where things are finally going to shift? We're going to look into it. We don't know if it it is going to shift. We're just going to talk about what's going on. Okay. Yeah. You definitely scared me by uh, posing a question like, is it going to pop? Because man, I do not know anything that's going on and no one should listen to anything I say about finance except for like put all your money into like index funds that's that's still a great idea yeah and stamps um stamps yes buy the book money stamps and they will it will explain to you why stamps are the god asset and for literally any purpose like smuggling money out of a country or investing long term stamps are always the answer uh it's a pretty funny book because genuinely that's the argument it makes yeah. Also, buy art always if you want to embezzle funds. Uh, yes, this is brought. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Masterworks, the website that has a bunch of poor people buy the art that rich people didn't want, and somehow that's gonna. Those are gonna be the pieces that make money because the. Oh, is that a fractional share service? Oh yes, it is for high oh, end. Oh good, art. <laughs> man. We poor people love fractional shares. So, all right, let, let me talk about Masterworks for a second. So, apparently, they've sold three pieces, and, uh, like, they've made, like, 30% profit on each of them, which, good for you, Masterworks, like, great advertising to actually have profited, although probably during one of the easiest periods in history that you might have been able to do that. If you were, like, a rich person collecting, like, like modern American art, whatever, whatever the fuck Masterworks buys, like, are you going to want, like... The piece that, like, the super rare iconic piece that, like, no one has that is sold for $50 million and now you're going to spend $200 million for it. Or are you going to want the one that went to, like, a fractional investment company that, like, millionaire grind setters bought? I feel like having Masterworks in the the chain of custody of a piece of art immediately makes it, like, dumpster level art. But I I could be wrong. Maybe they get, like, Monet's and shit. Maybe I don't know. I don't know, but like I think of art and I think of the people who buy that and I just think about how high the nose in the air has to be, right? And and not necessarily in a bad way. Like you have to be a little bit snobby. You have to be like upper echelon rich people. And now like all these pores had their hands on it. Why would you want that? That that doesn't feel like the level you're at. You're like, ugh. Yeah, exactly. It just feels sullied. It's crazy. I, I demand that my million-dollar art market is not spoiled by the poorest, Johnny. Oh, why not? <laughs> I mean, well, so if you genuinely wanted a piece of art as, like, like you're Elon Musk and you want, like, the most exclusive thing that no one can have. I think, like, obviously someone like that is never going to buy something from Masterworks. But there is a level of speculator who does want the poor people buying in. Because, like, uh, if you're investing in sealed Super Mario Brothers 3s, you love when a fractional share company puts one up for sale and then they can get the money to raise, like, $200,000 or, or whatever people pay for something like that. Oh, absolutely. Because it's really what hard you... to find one person to pay a price like that. Absolutely. Also, you just want to create further interest, right? And the more eyeballs and the more, like, you can raise the, I don't know, internet capital of an item, that the eyes that are hitting it, 
That's great, right? And now you can apply all of the same logic we're just talking about to Masterworks and fraction, and apply that to fractional shares of games and, and game investing. Hey, look, uh, we can make it apply to our topic. Whoa, yeah. I, uh, I bet Reserved Investments has an episode on Masterworks. And if he doesn't, he should make one because I bet he's like, don't buy this bullshit art. Get real fine art. Um, I don't know anything about art. I don't know why we're talking about this. Johnny, can I give you some statistics on where we're at economically right now? Yeah, t- paint me a picture of the weird-ass world we live in. That's some weird, wild stuff. All right. We are in- Super relevant. We are in May 14th of 2022. The S&P 500 down 15% this year. Stocks go down. I know. It's crazy. Uh, Whoa. When? The- <laughs> What? When? When did- When did- Stocks went down finally? I thought they only went up forever. I mean- Just ignore me. Bye, bye now, John. Uh, GameStop stock, you can look at it in like the one month, the three month, the six month, the one year. And I mean, the GameStop stock price kind of means nothing because the price is essentially based in nothing. I know mother of all short squeezes. You guys let me know when that happens. But like, it's down like 50 to like 90%, depending on not 90, but it's like 30 to 50%, I think, uh, depending on when you look at it. Bitcoin, Johnny, down 50% from its all-time high in November. I think that is a huge one because I think Bitcoin has certainly given a lot of random people a lot of fuck money to do whatever they want with. Yeah, that's very true. And also, like I said before, Bitcoin has been kind of the underbelly of the weird collector bubble. So a lot of that Bitcoin people have been driving collectibles. So I'm wondering how that's going to affect the collectibles market now. Yeah. Now I, with there's a big crash, but is now is, are we supposed to buy at the dip? Is this the dip in which we're supposed to be buying? I mean, so I'm mean, obviously you go on all the crypto subreddits and they're like, Oh my God, everyone was begging for it to be this price again. Oh, it's finally here at $30,000. Why aren't you buying? So just like with stocks, everything is priced in. So if everybody thought that Bitcoin was definitely going to go back up into the 50,000s, then people would have bought Bitcoin to the point where it would be $50,000 again. But we see it hovering here at $30,000. So why is that happening, guys, who are like, buy the dip? Hey, it's almost like the Bitcoin price means nothing, Johnny. <laughs> it's just made up. I I am not equipped to talk about it. I'm really not. Like, okay. Just um, Bitcoin is insane to me, and uh, I'm just too much of an old man. I don't know enough about crypto to even be in it. You're just like, wow, this is this is, seems like not real. It seems like video game money, but here we are. Johnny, I will tell you a secret. Uh, I would venture a guess that many, maybe most people don't give a shit about Bitcoin. They just log on to like Robinhood or whatever. They buy Bitcoin and then watch the funny graph go up and down. And have no intentions to ever use it or care about the technology whatsoever. That That's probably correct, right? Um, if you are buying not Bitcoin, all other crypto is getting slaughtered even worse than Bitcoin. So like 50% or more you've lost from all-time highs on basically anything else from Ethereum to Monero to whatever. Doge, uh, which yeah, we recommended Doge, once upon a time. Yes, Uh, Talk about something that has value based on nothing. That's like still a billion dollar coin for no reason, essentially. Uh, Johnny, the Pokemon bubble has burst or it's kind of been in the process of bursting for like a year now. Uh, I didn't want to look too deep into the Pokemon market, but first edition Charizards are down like 30 to 50 percent, depending on the grade. They went from like thirty five thousand dollars for a PSA nine to like twenty thousand dollars. 
And that, that I mean, that's the most iconic wow. Pokemon card, so. Do you think that's because everybody is finally receiving their cards now and the market is flooded and also the economy is suffering massive inflation at the same time? So, I mean, obviously PSA had like a year long backlog and first edition Charizard It's I know it's probably not like the number one card. I know there's a bunch of like little weird stuff. It's the most iconic card, though. And that dropped your illustrator supply. So can you imagine if you were like investing in like Alakazams and Chanseys and just like random bullshit? Like I don't know, uh, I don't know what the rest of the Pokemon market is doing because I haven't looked into it. But uh, maybe there's too many Pokemon cards because they printed billions of them, Johnny. I mean, could be. All right, let's go off on just a Pokemon side thing for a second. It is crazy to me that there. I know there are like hustle grind set people who invest in Pokemon cards. Oh, uh, you mean the wine moms of our generation? The what? Sh- I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Live, laugh, love. Grind every day. Grind all night. Grind oh, every day for oh, the rest yes. of your life. Yes, but just like they're they're just 100 percent in it for the money, and they're like like looking at charts and looking at pops. I don't understand how someone can look at like. The the Charizard population for PSA graded Pokemon cards and decide, yes, 2021, I'm going to buy a Charizard as an investment. And I'm not I'm not advocating investing in video games, but to compare it to video games, PSA has graded more Charizards than WADA has graded video games. <laughs> there are so many fucking Charizards. Now, in totality. Yes. Video games in totality. Uh, at least that they have pop reports. That, like, if they've graded, like, 10,000 Xbox 360 games, maybe not. But at least, like, publicly graded video games, it is crazy how many trading cards there are compared to video games. And, I mean, obviously, a lot of that is just, like, well, I mean, the video games are out there. People just aren't grading every single thing on eBay because there's a lot of, like, Xbox games that no one is ever going to care about. But, man, there's a lot of trading cards out there, Johnny. Maybe it was a crazy thing to invest in them in the first place. Hey, I just want you to know that video games are a scam, though. Um, not, not comics, not cards. <laughs> video games are the scam. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the scam is over now because Watt is getting sued by uh, the uh, Reddit lawyer. Oh, yeah. I, I'm Super... sure people would want a whole episode on this, uh, but I mean, I, what I, we don't do want we to do one. No, yeah, we, so we don't stupid. want to do one. Uh, here, here's your quick summary. Hey, some guy from Reddit uh, who's a lawyer is suing them. Uh, Josh Abrams is like really excited about that and been saying, I told you so. Uh, if you read into the lawsuit, it seems crazy that they're making a lawsuit out of this, but I'm not a lawyer, so don't take my advice. And eh, we'll see what happens. Does it uh, does that lower confidence in WADA just because it's a public thing? And it, is that the goal? I don't know. It, it, it sounds like someone is just salty that their games took forever to get there and they were like fine i'll punish you for it because i didn't like your attitude i think the lawsuit's pretty funny um i recommend reading the lawsuit i mean it's out there on like facebook you could find it. i looked through like government websites you have to like pay to get lawsuit you get to like pay to get court documents which seems like a scam i don't know what's going on with the government uh, anyway you could just go download it from uh facebook somewhere but a few things I noticed. One, it's just like throwing a bunch of random shit at the wall. Like I read I read the entire lawsuit from page to page, cover to cover. Uh and just like there's a page where it's just like randomly like another allegation is that Wada moved from Colorado to California and did not inform people how protected their games would be when they were moving. 
And I'm just like, it was going on all about like all this Pawn Star stuff and Rich Lecce saying Super Mario Brothers is a million dollars. And then there's just like this random two pages where they're complaining about how Wada moved offices. It's just like, can you just load up a lawsuit with like whatever bullshit you want and see what sticks to the wall? It seems so nuts. Uh, yeah, I just don't understand enough about the law and how lawsuits are generated. I, know. I just know, I just know that you can generate a lawsuit about everything, and the lawsuit is not does not equate to guilt. And most of the time, lawsuits are unsuccessful. Like on a statistical basis, just because a lawsuit happens, that usually means nothing. So I, I don't maybe set your expectations. Also, when like Pat Contry is one of the primary, like, haha, finally we're getting them, and Pawn Stars was a big problem. You're like, dude, weren't you on fucking Pawn Stars? Didn't you do this already? Did, didn't <laughs> like, you create fucking... the moment? Didn't you create the script for this? I, Fuck out of here, man. The, the most, I will quote unquote, credible allegation is the, the Pawn Stars thing in the lawsuit, which, I mean, like, legally, I don't think that they have anything to stand on, but I'm not it's a an law entertainment expert. show. But it's hilarious that Pat is getting on about the Wada lawsuit when that's, like, one of the biggest allegations. But also, like, uh, so there's three plaintiffs right now, I think, and it's going to be a class action suit, so whatever. Um, but, like, you look at their specific grievances, and there's, like, email snippets and stuff, and it's like, he paid for the 45-day service tier, and he got his games back in, like, 75 days. And it was, like, from the beginning of this year. And, like, yeah, it sucks that grading companies are behind right now, but you're going to sue a company for being a month behind their ETAs? It just seems... Like what are they what is what are the damages? So you probably paid like maybe $135 instead of $90 or something whatever to bump yourself up a service tier. Is Wada going to pay you back $50 in damages plus like emotional damage? No, I I think they're going to probably try and rope it into something about a loss of investment opportunity. Yeah, that, like, yeah that's oh, absolutely in the lawsuit as well. So, uh which is crazy because all these people celebrating that this lawsuit is happening like, but the lawsuit is being brought about by people who are investors. Uh, yes. Like the people that you hate on the people who Reddit hates are the people bringing about the lawsuit because they didn't get to make enough money on video games. The things that are too expensive and that the Reddit crowd hates. I don't understand I, the, any of this. I like, these are not <laughs> your heroes. These are the assholes you don't like. The funniest part is that. A core tenet of the lawsuit is basically Wada isn't grading games fast enough. So they're com like the complaint of the lawsuit is like Wada should be grading more games. Why are we not grading games faster? Which is like the opposite of what people want. So yeah, I, it's it's very confusing to me. Also, every grading company right now is suffered from the same thing. So this wasn't just unique to Wada. They they cite some incompetence, but this was every grading company. Grading companies that were been around longer and are more established, like CGC, like how, if everybody is suffering, then that means it's kind of the world we're in right now. And do you want to set some sort of precedent? And if it does go through, then you're going to see all these other grading companies get sued for the same thing. Which I mean, I, don't, obvi I obviously don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because of that. But I mean, I think a pretty good defense would be like, hey, remember coronavirus? It happened. And I realize like some of these these complaints are from like earlier this year, but we're still in a pandemic. The supply chain is still incredibly crushed. As someone who works through our supply chain and looks at like factory lead times and stuff right now, everything is still like fucked. So we're, we're still unwinding that knot. 
I don't know. Uh, like, let's not go too much into the lawsuit. That that's let me, it is a big component of what is a, the crazy marketplace we're in right now, though. Let me give one more thing. I think they are intentionally being deceptive in the lawsuit because they know. I don't know who reads this. If it goes to like a, a lawyer who has to explain it to a jury, or if a judge reads it, I don't know anything about civil suits or whatever this is. Uh, but it is very clearly misleading um, about the Sticker Sealed Super Mario Brothers. And look, I I think Sticker Sealed Super Mario Brothers is cool. I certainly don't think it's like the coolest thing fucking ever that should be a million times more valuable than anything else in the hobby. But it is one of a kind. And the lawsuit repeatedly says like, this sold for $100,000 when the previous record for a Super Mario Brothers was only $30,000. And it's like, Guys, there's there's a really big difference here between the one-of-a-kind earliest copy that's known to exist and just a random other sealed copy that was on eBay one day. And then uh, there's like a line somewhere else in the lawsuit that's like, it should be noted that since the since Jim Halperin and Rich Lecce bought this Super Mario Brothers, WADA has graded over 176 other copies of Super Mario Brothers. And it's like, yeah, how many other sticker seals are there? Zero, like, isn't that, there's a distinction here. It's like, oh, since this one-of-a-kind car was created, there have been 10 billion other cars created. I don't, it's a, Look, it's a right. I think you should read careful, the lawsuit. Careful, you're going to sound like a WADA show in a minute. Again, oh, yes. I do not endorse grading <laughs> your games. Please don't grade your games. Just be fine with what you have, unless you're an investor. Then go do that. I don't care about it. I, I don't want to get dragged into the water debate, whether it's good or bad they're being sold. I just think on the face of the lawsuit, doesn't look super credible. That's not me defending WADA. That's just me looking objectively at the lawsuit going, I don't know, guys. And also pointing out that the people who are suing are the people who are mad that they aren't making enough money. And the people who are happy that WADA is getting sued don't want people to make money on games. So... I don't know. You guys do do what you will with that. Send send your hate mail to me. That's Johnny underscore Ayuchi at Instagram, <laughs> or join our Patreon and uh, yell at me directly. Here, I'll prove uh, I'll prove I'm not a Wada shill, Johnny. Uh, go look at a Wada created Switch game, which is just in their NES style case. It's like eighty percent air and twenty percent Switch game. Awful. It is Awful. the dumbest shit. So bad. I guarantee they're gonna this is gonna be a fixed problem five years from now whether it's from wada or someone else but people are not going to stand for switch games in cases that are this big uh because guess what there's gonna be like 10 billion sealed switch games that people are going to send in uh and i think that these games graded now in these shitty ass two big cases are going to be selling for a discount years from now because they're gonna clearly be the old shitty cases so there's my, yeah, I just think Wada people obviously are gonna, isn't just, doing switch grading. People right. are just going to pay to recase. It's just oh, like yeah, I know they're just going to pay to recase, there's, there's but just that's going to be a hassle that people aren't going to want to deal with. Yeah, it's true, but also those cases are awful. Like, if you want to hear some direct criticism of Wada from Johnny, Wada cases look bad. I do not like them. They are terrible looking. They look like Best Buy security cases. Like, remember when Best Guy had those security cases and they had the weird tab on top? I do not like them. I just would want a square case. You can't put them on yourself. They're overly large, especially for Switch games. I know why Wada's doing it. They're, they haven't been able to mock up a new case because uh, probably all the supply chain issues. And they're just like, yeah, why are we not going to grade these things that keep coming in and people want to pay us money for? Of course they're going to, but I think that looks terrible. I think it looks gross. I would rather have custom cases uh, or at least... Uh, you know, maybe five or six style cases that I could choose from which what my game goes in. 
if I was going to do that, which I don't. So, you know, whatever. They look terrible. It's terrible. Switch games in those cases are like especially egregious. Blech. All right. Well, we have proven we're not water shields, Johnny. No, uh, have we? Have <laughs> I we, though? Because I, I, I don't think we have. Think like, why are you guys trying to give water advice on how to improve you water shills? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we're better of... than the uh, the Lost Joystick Network podcast. I hear they have water games in the background of their video podcast. Oh, my God. If you don't assholes. listen to the Lost Joystick Network, go listen to the Lost Joystick Network uh, the latest game they did was Gex, if you want to hear some guys talk about Gex for two hours. Oh, uh, man, they asked me to be on, and I totally, you're just reminding me, I totally forgot to get back to them. What? With, like, what Super Nintendo game I want to play, or, or game from that era. I need to, I need to think about it. I, I don't want to make them suffer through an RPG, and also I don't know if I have time to really commit to one. I, I have to figure out a good game for us to play. All right, you guys can have me on to talk about any other game. I don't care, so... Yeah, but Johnny, you guys what? should go listen to them. Let's get back to the thrust of the episode. The everything bubble and like how the market is crazy. And this WADA case is just part of the what the F is happening in the video game markets right now. Johnny, you want to go over some prices of video games? Well, do you want to tell us more about what's happening in the world? There's more. Is we there talked more? about Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> we didn't talk about the housing stuff. I mean, housing prices are up like nearly 50% in two years. Uh, anyone who's been trying to buy a house during coronavirus, good luck, fucked. I guess. You got fucked. You want to know where the scam is? You're getting fucked, especially when like corporations are buying up large swaths of homes from the American people. Good luck, though. Keep focusing uh, your energy on video game companies or grading companies. I'm wondering, like, is this this has to slow down? Okay, we're we're not economists, but interest rates are finally going up, which means mortgages are getting more expensive. Meaning people are not going to want to pay a million dollars for a house that was five hundred thousand dollars in 2019, right? So this, this has to go down. It has to. Does it have to? You would you would think so, but. <laughs> Mortgage rates are still pretty low compared to what they've been before. Like in the 80s, I think mortgage rates were like eights or nines, I want to say. Maybe maybe that was the 90s. But mortgage rates have historically been higher. They're still pretty good. They're just not the great that they were before. So uh, especially if you're a corporation and you can afford to absorb this and you're just buying up large swaths of house and you know that people can't afford to buy. This is the crazy thing about this market. If you can't afford to buy, you have to live somewhere. So maybe you'll only be able to afford to rent because you could afford a mortgage technically if you were just paying month to month, but you'll never be able to save up the down payment because housing prices got too high. So now you're going to pay more for rent than you should for mortgage. So... And uh, corporations love that. They they definitely want to keep you over that barrel. This is the opposite of the American dream, I think. I don't know if there's any kind of reckoning coming. I, I don't know if we're like the housing bubble of like, what was it, 2007, where everything collapsed because of direct fraud and like, uh, you know, go watch The Big Short. They'll explain it to you in a much more entertaining way and a correct way than I can. So, uh, yeah. Oh, man, I don't, someone is going to email you happening. about that. Like, oh, the big short has inaccuracies. It's oh, an entertaining absolutely. movie. I know. <laughs> absolutely. They're just, I just said that. I didn't say they're 100% I right. Know. I just said they're better than what I'm going to give you, That's, which is going to be mostly wrong. Uh, big short, great movie. Much better than so Up good. in the Air, which, oh my God. Um, uh, up in the Air, not great. All right. Now, now can we get into some video game prices, yeah, Johnny? What the people are here for, the information they could get from pricecharting.com by just looking up whatever games they want instead of the games that we looked up? Yeah. Great. Yeah, is that, hold on. Do we, 
Why aren't we going to Game Value Now? Aren't they the people we like better? We are officially endorsing video game price charting as the only website we will use until there is a better option because holy fuck, price charting is bad, but Game Value Now is just impossible to use. Literally the first game I looked up was Wii Sports and the last Wii Sports sale on Game Value Now was from September. And I can ah! promise you Wii Sport. Yeah, I promise Wii you Wii Sports, Sports is sold a lot. Yeah, it's the it sells most a lot. common game of all time. Sells quite a bit every day on eBay, as a matter of fact. Multiple copies. So, uh, yeah, don't look at game value now. Price charting isn't great. Your best place to look at prices if you're just trying to buy a one-off game for your collection is still going to eBay solds, looking at condition because conditional rarity is now a thing, and then understanding what you're looking at and where what range your game should fall into if you're trying to buy that that's uh that's my PSA on that. But yeah, well, let's talk about the prices of some games now. Johnny, uh, I I've broken this up into categories. There are games at all time highs, games that peaked and now have dipped down in price, and then uh, a couple other games I want to talk about. Okay. So, uh, tell me about some all time highs. We've got Little Samson, Johnny, Hold a on. game which whoa, we have whoa, said. Whoa, 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 Little Samson. It's not supposed to go up. It's supposed to be stable. Little Stampson, it, w- it was the bellwether, Johnny. It it was just staying there at like $1,200 loose. I don't know, whatever a complete Little Stampson went for. But it has, uh, it's finally jumped up. Uh, the scam continues. <laughs> oh, no. It is now $2,500 loose, $5,500 complete. I think the craziest thing is that if you strip away everything about the NES set, I don't know. Little Samson is not the game that completes an NES set. It's the game that completes an almost NES set. So really, it's just a really expensive hidden gem that is not hidden. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Little Samson, just some pricing. So people are going to be like, oh, but the coronavirus thing. No, we talked about the price of some games after we were already wrong about what happened during coronavirus. And we talked about Little Samson specifically. Okay. So in November of 2019, a loose copy of Little Samson was around $1,000. Okay, well, I'm just talking about the loose ones. And then, okay, let's get to coronavirus times. March 2020, it's about $1,100. So now we know that there should be a big spike, right? And it does spike, but it also dips. By December of 2020, it's down to $1,200, almost $1,300. So that's like, that was supposed to be the big raise, right? In, in that zone, is supposed to be the big push. And it goes up a little bit by April of 2021 to 1400 But then 2021 is off the rails, and I don't know what happens to Little Samson lose carts, but they get up to like $2,300. So what the hell is happening? I mean, I think twenty like mid-2021 is when almost everything peaked, or at least that's when like we were at peak crazy mid-2021. That's when like the $1.5 billion Super Mario 64 sale Every, every like crazy record breaking sale was from 2021. Yeah, but that's right. Even, even April of 2021, it's only $1,400 at the peak. It, it hits this peak in say June, like dead center, $1,900. And it still keeps going up. And like little Samson, just to give you some history in August of 2016, it was like $1,200. Okay. 1200. And then we get to June and it's $1,200 still of 2019 and it like fluctuated down that was a peak that was a a pretty big peak little samson rode a wave in 2016 to this august point where it hit 
you know, 1250. And then it doesn't hit that price again until June, 2019. So All three right. years of just stable prices, just, and then even after the pandemic, it, it's still not that expensive. April, 2020, it also hits 1250. Uh, I have a hypothesis here, Johnny, okay. that is not supported by hard data, but it okay. is, uh, I do support it frequently with selection bias when I see it happen. Oh, good. Selection bias is my favorite. <laughs> um, once a video game costs a thousand dollars or a little more than a thousand dollars, I feel like the price kind of cools off and so there's two other games we're going to talk about uh sculptors cut loose is now hovering a little above a thousand dollars and panzer dragoon saga is hovering a little above a thousand dollars and i think unless like it goes crazy like little samson i feel like once video games are in that twelve hundred dollar range people are like all right fuck it i'm gonna go buy something else yeah that's really expensive to for one video game compared to all the things you could buy for a thousand dollars Especially when most of the video game market, especially people who are buying, say, loose games, like we were given an example of, they don't have a stomach for this. This is not the price they're accustomed to paying. Yeah. But I mean, like, it, it would happen to me if I was willing to pay $1,700 for a little Samson, Johnny, I'm willing to pay $2,000 for a little Samson. So once I'm breaking yeah. through that mental $1,000 barrier, I think that's why we see a big spike up. But also just because 2021 was crazy. I mean, maybe. Like... I have not been spending large chunks of money on video games. I mean, I've been buying video games and I've been spending enough money on games. But right now, every time I see a game that's like, you know, a couple hundred dollars, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I want to spend a couple hundred dollars on one game, which I I should be conditioned now to be spending more. But uh, I've really, it's been a lot harder for me to pull the trigger on like $500 games. I mean, Johnny, I'm the opposite. If it's not like some weird 99 cent thing, which I'm very excited. I can't wait to talk about it later in the episode. Uh, But yeah, I have cut out all the random $50 bullshit for the most part. And I'm basically buying like $200 games that I like super duper want now. Uh, Well, I mean, if it's like, if that's the only thing you're buying, but if you're buying anything in bulk, it's it's why it's hard for me to basically stop going for sets. It's it's too expensive. I mean, ironically, I'm buying more expensive games, but I'm spending less money than I would if I was like going crazy for a set. Uh, That's an interesting comparison. Yeah. So tell me more. Tell me more about these games that are at all time highs, because I know you got more. Uh, Contra, I specifically looked it up because there was an angry video game nerd episode on it. Uh, I don't think it was affected in price at all, though. $230 $230 complete in box for a Contra now. And this is average. So that, that's probably like a pretty like okay copy of Contra. Like if you want a nice Contra, you're talking hundreds of dollars. A nice, I looked at this because I, w- I also saw the ABGN uh, episode where he's like, I'm going to do an episode about a game I like. I was like, that's weird. So it caught my attention. Anyways, I looked at the Contras. Nice ones are going for about five hundred, like a like a really nice one between like four and five hundred. So the average, expect in like average condition. Again, all these prices are aggregate down to a middle, and the middle is not nice. It's it's like yeah, a blah copy. Conquer's bad fur day all time high right now three hundred dollars complete in box. It feels like that should be more expensive. What? <laughs> No, I'm serious because there's always been so much hype around Conkers. I think Conkers was like a hundred and fifty dollar game ten years ago. I guess, sure. We're calling it here on Collector's Quest. Three hundred dollars for Conkers Bad Fur Day. Too cheap. 
Do you, I mean, do you, re- do you remember when Conquerors, I mean, Conquerors had a lot of hype going around it before, and I think a lot of that died, but I remember when, like, the hype train for Conquerors was real. I mean, yeah, I know. It's, bec- I mean, man, if you think of N64, you think of platformers, I mean, you try to think of a really great platformer that's not a Nintendo or Rare game, and I think Bad Fur Day is probably the, the Goldilocks combination of didn't sell as well as like Super Mario 64 or Banjo-Kazooie, but is still a very good game. So uh, plus yeah. it's rated M, so it makes it even cooler. Yeah, I, I'm looking back and yeah, I'm right about on average from like starting in about 2014, uh, it hit in 2014, it hit $150 and I mean, it was dropping between like 150 and 120, 130 and it stayed that way. All the way until uh, April of 2020, where it was $150. And then, weird, in by June, it was uh, $200. I don't know what was happening around June of 2020, but I imagine it was the coronavirus. <laughs> but then it kept going up. That 2021 thing is real. It just kept going up. Though it did suffer a pretty big dip recently around Christmas. But yeah, it's back. It's over $300. I'm just saying, for a game that it stayed flat for years. It stayed flat for over five years, around a hundred and hundred and fifteen to one hundred and fifty dollars. That's not a lot of volatility on a game. I mean, especially now when we look at the volatility that's happening around games. That that's a very stable price. All right, I'm just surprised. It didn't go we're, we're a buy on Conquer's Bad for for three hundred. No, I'm not. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just probably surprised. like four hundred fifty dollars for the copy you really want, though. I'm just saying, like from my memory, when I went and bought a conquerors fur day it was already expensive right so in my brain i'm like man conquerors fur day was uh, expensive like 10 years ago what it it didn't quadruple in price it only doubled huh that seems that seems like under what i would have expected especially on an n64 game uh a system which people tend to overpay for in my opinion that's all i'm saying all right is it like GoldenEye, $100 complete in box i understand that's going to include the player's choice unless price starting filters that out i'm gonna say you know, even even though like the concept of hundred dollar GoldenEye is crazy, obviously it's an all time high price. But like, talk about an iconic game that is both really good, somewhat important for the genre of bringing first person shooters to consoles. Cool licensed property, kind of has everything going for it. Like most people are gonna put GoldenEye in like their top five N sixty four games, I think. Oh, a- absolutely! It was the game of college dorms of its time. The one thing it doesn't have is it's uh, they've they've made seven million copies of it, and it's dirt fucking common, Johnny. But uh, well, rarity doesn't worry. matter anymore. Once we find out what the first prints look like, I expect to see Goldeneye go up a lot more. Is there is there a very? I have no I have right. no idea. I a have lot no of idea. see a lot of N sixty four games. They either don't have variants or people don't. We don't no know how to find them. them. I mean, yeah. I mean, go. Let me go get uh, Dan Gomez. The modern database is N sixty four modern. I don't know, probably not. But uh, a lot of them are just like, yeah. There's there's the greatest hits, or there's the player's choice, and then there's the the first print. And they made five million first prints. All of them came out of the factory day one, Johnny. Don't uh, worry. They're, they're, <laughs> we're gonna find a way to differentiate them one day, and that way we can start applying. Not just conditional rarity, but like this weird other rarity about, you know, edition. Like, oh, it's not the first print, first edition. So once we get there, then N64 is going to be a real gold mine. So you're Bye telling now. me um, 
You tell me I should buy multiple GoldenEye 007s to make sure that when we find that there's a first print that we never knew about, that I can go through all my copies and make sure I have the first print. Yeah, I'm more than that. I'm telling you to invest in N64. Invest in N64. All right. Uh, We're calling it. Yes, invest in N64. I don't know why I have this out of order. Uh, I'd I'd put these all in a random order, Johnny. Earthbound. uh, (laughs) Even after... All the trials and tribulations that Earthbound has been through, it is still at an all-time high price right now. It's insane. It's insane. (laughs) It, like, spiked, and then everyone was like, Earthbound's not rare, and then it went back down to, like, a $100 cartridge or something, and now it's back up to $400 loose. Uh, I just want to know, have you just been watching, like, AVGN or something? No, like, didn't I, he do an Earthbound episode not too long ago? So he like I was gonna. Would you want to get on a tangent? Yes, he did another Earthbound, but like not in that it's a bad game episode. Just like he did Contra, and he's also done Majora's Mask. I'm just gonna say it, Johnny. I know modern angry video game nerd sucks, and it's like produced by an outside company, and he doesn't even write his own jokes anymore. But I don't want angry video game nerd episodes about good games. I uh, I don't know. I think I've maybe seen seven to ten angry video game nerd episodes ever well and two of them were in the last uh two months all right i mean it the it's hard to tell someone to go back and be like oh yeah you weren't there for that 2007 humor go watch the early stuff it's great <laughs> i mean i love it but i bet it doesn't hold up to someone who wasn't there when it happened uh probably not. <laughs> uh, i just th- i thought it was interesting that he like played earthbound i was like wow why are you playing earth i didn't understand because it's like talking about contra i'm like okay and then he then then earthbound video popped up next i was like what is going on here i literally watched him back to back i'm like is this real he's he, like he's partnered or acquired by some company that does writing for him now is probably there's a calculation of just like earthbound is really hot right now in video game circles we got to do an earthbound episode to get those clicks Probably. I mean, it was interesting that he gave it a positive review. And you um, know what? Now that Earth I'm saying that, is insane. the Contra Legacy Collection is coming out. Uh, or true. the Limited oh Run God. Games. I bet that this, the Angry Video Game Nerd tie-in, it's 100% just a clickbait thing. Yeah. Yeah. The algorithm is real, people. Oh, man. we That's what we should call this episode. Angry Video Game Nerd Exposed. <laughs> right? <laughs> the truth about the Angry Video Game Nerd. What angry video game nerd doesn't want you to know? Is that is that our episode title now? Did we do it? Um, go look up uh, Lady Emily on YouTube did a deep dive into the Cinemassacre backlash. It's a two hour documentary on why people don't like the angry video game nerd anymore. So angry video game nerds about angry about the angry video game. Yes. Nerd. Whoa, it's so meta. <laughs> I man, I know we're getting off topic, Johnny, but. There have been like creators that I like. I bet we have fallen off for some people, but there are creators that I used to watch religiously. Nostalgia critic, kind of always. Uh, Doug Walker kind of always made bad videos, but there was a time in my life where I just wanted to watch a bunch of movie content, and I watched all the Nostalgia Critic. And yeah, his content has fallen off. I don't think his jokes are funny anymore. I think the format is kind of tired. But I don't go and complain about it. I just don't fucking watch Nostalgia Critic anymore. Who fucking cares? Like, if I don't like this anymore, why am I going on the internet to talk about it? What's wrong with people? That's how things used to die, Tyler. People just stopped. They're just like, nah, I'm over this. There is a subreddit dedicated to hating Cinemassacre, which is the angry video game nerd channel. Yeah. What? Guys, just don't watch it. (laughs) 
Hey, remember that show Heroes, which had a like really interesting first season and then became terrible? Uh, I sure do. Ada loves that show. Yeah, so I didn't join a forum about how stupid <laughs> Heroes is. I was just like, oh yeah, this isn't for me anymore. I'm going to stop watching it. And then it ended. I and then, like collectively, people did that. And then Heroes was canceled. And then people were like, hey, remember when Heroes was good? And they tried to bring it back. And I don't know, because I was like, I'm not going to do that. I've already been down this road. I don't care about Heroes. Um, You the, you know, there is one fandom that really sticks out into my mind that does this, Johnny, and it's Star Wars nerds. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Tyler. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, what's this in my Dropbox? You have an entire episode about how you'd fix Star Wars Episode One that we're putting on I Patreon? Would. Yes. Okay. And to be fair, I find I find it, one, a lot cringy that I did it. Like, a lot. <laughs> I just, these are just like anger, like video game rantings. I don't recommend that people, like, should do these kinds of things. But yeah, uh, as an overly invested Star Wars nerd, I did this for some also uh, overly invested Star Wars nerds. Um, but yeah, like, when I was in the process of starting it, I actually went on to our thread. And I was like, do you guys really want this? Because I've started... And then all of a sudden, I realized how weirdly self-indulgent this is, and I, I felt a little weird doing it. Uh, it's just for our friends, just for a very select group of friends, so it's fine, but it did feel weird to do it. But yeah, uh, point taken, and yes, I understand that I'm a hypocrite. Johnny, all-time high rule of rose for the PlayStation 2, the US copy, obviously, $700. You mean the rarest PlayStation game? The PlayStation rarest 2. PlayStation 2 game. Yeah. Uh, there's just 20 copies on eBay, including like 10 sealed copies at all times. I have it's the rarest game, though, guys. Uh, uh, super rare. $700 complete in box. Man. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, isn't it weird that that game is the one that gets like all the attention? And it was because like this game gets so much hype because it had this weird thing happen where it like had an where they said there was an inappropriate like sexual relationship directed at a, a teen or a child and suddenly this is the game that everyone wants to own i'm like that <laughs> that's weird guys is is this really the one we want to own is that like, even yeah, the, the reason anymore horror. it's just like i don't think it is i think it's I don't, become like, the de facto rarest game even though like the data clearly shows it's not yeah I, no, I, I think actually people understand it's not the rarest game. I just think it's the game. It it, it it's hit that status like a little Samson status. Like if you collect the Sims, uh, if you collect this Sims <laughs> Simpsons system, if you collect this system, this is one of the games you have to go get. It's just hit that level, and I just think people don't know the history. And when you think about what actually made it popular, I find that a little weird. Okay, Johnny, uh, I am immediately going to doubt what you said that people don't don't act like it's the rarest game. So I typed in rarest PS2 games into Google. I clicked the first link. It's from September, 2021. Number one on the list, Rule of Rose. Okay, th <laughs> this is a weird occurrence of me giving people too much credit, I guess. Uh, Yes. <laughs> also, uh -huh. number two on the list, Time Crisis 3 two-gun bundle. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Maybe that, I have the one-gun bundle. Who knows? All right, whatever. Um. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, fourth on the list, Def Jam, Fight for New York, Greatest Hits. All right. I don't even know what this list is. Man, the point is Rule of Rose was at the top, and I didn't even have to go looking for it, okay? Okay. 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 I got you. I bought Rule of Rose uh, from Peaceful Games uh, in our Discord uh, for less than this, and I thought I paid a dumb price for it. I, I was like, because I know Rule of Rose has no long-term future as like an iconic 
thing to own. Like it, it'll have like the like oh, it's one of those collectory games things. But it's it's an Atlas game. What do you want? <sighs> it's an Atlas game. Yes, but I don't think it has the the hidden gem playability of a Little Samson. Like I think Little Samson genuinely I, one of the best NES games, and I, I, it feels I like such a disingenuous thing because people are like, oh yeah, Little Samson. But I'm also one of those people. Goddamn, Little Samson's good. But Rule of Rose is a 100% hype. <laughs> D- disagree with you here because the PS2 is about survival horror and everybody who's like super into that, the PS2 is the system for that. So I think it's going to maintain more than you are giving it credit for because it is the de facto survival horror system. You're right. You're right. I think the, I mean, when we get into a world, if we're not already in that world uh, where people collect subsets, like survival horror PS2 is going to be a fantastic subset. Very expensive because like all the most expensive PS2 games, like half them are survival horror, but uh, a lot more obtainable than maybe buying 2000 PlayStation 2 games. Absolutely, yeah. PlayStation Two is such a dumb set. Yeah, who would ever uh, do can't that? Wait to, all caps. Me, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Me, that guy, all caps, probably did it. I don't know. There's some guy doing. Uh, oh man, he's doing PS3. Ugh, fixy games. Yeah, just saying. I, I, I have zero inclination to go after modern stuff like that. But when I look at the price, it's graphs, not modern. It's not modern whatever, anymore, Johnny. It's it's the, almost vintage. Two thousands is modern. Um, man, the like, 2000s, the early 2000s prices on garbage are pretty low. You want to load up on some Blu-rays, get some some four dollar games over there. It's, uh, we'll we'll do a whole episode on it. There, uh, I'll get to it later, Johnny. Sculptor's cut, all time high. I'm just looking at loose. I know complete in box is going to be uh, probably an all time high too, and some ridiculous price. But obviously, price charting isn't going to be tracking wherever those are being sold. Um. No, and we just talked about it not so long ago, and there was crazy, yeah, definitely all-time highs on the complete in box. Yes. Uh, $1,300 for a loose sculptor's cut. Again, one of these games where you look at how many are out there, and it's like, people are objectively paying too much money for this. But again, it's one of those things where like the loose N64 set is not expensive. So you just get to that last game, and it's like, all right, it's the the one thing I'm going to buy once, cry once, and then I'm going to have my set. Okay. Well, let's, this is going to be a new thing that we do sometimes. Okay. Would you rather, and like, let's say you don't own either of these. Would you rather pony up for rule of Rose or sculptor's cut? <laughs> Neither. I think no, both, no, you have in to pick both one cases and, I can get a better game for the money. No, no, no. That's um, not, that's not the game. Which one and why? I mean, I'm going to go rule of Rose. Because one, it's complete in box. The sculptor's cut is like very price prohibitive, complete in box. Um, and it's survival horror. And like sculptor's cut, like Clay Fighter 60, 63 and a game. half, I know is a terrible game because I played it as a kid. I don't know that Rule of Rose is a terrible game, to be clear. Uh, but I think just that the fact that survival horror, I could put it into the PS2 survival horror set. And that is a cooler set than the loose N64 set, probably. I'm saying that that as someone who does not have a PS2 horror set and does have a loose N64 set. Yeah, I just think that uh, in a world where people like survival horror, I don't think there's a classification where people are like, this is the class of game that Sculptor's Cut is, except for weird blockbuster trash um, that people find neat. It's just not... I don't think anyone finds it neat. It's just a checklist item. I Some people find it... Look, the world is crazy. Careful what you say with... uh, (laughs) There are definitely some people who find it neat. 
We don't need to talk to those people, but they right exist. Right into the I show promise. if you think Sculptor's Cut is. You know we're you know we're gonna get a message. We're I know. Immediately we going always to do. Every time I say like no one has that opinion, you're like, oh yeah, three people messaged me. They have that opinion, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, and pe- the minute you say people don't have an opinion, they are super excited to tell me because a lot of them don't want to. Just they're like maybe not super confrontational, but they know I'll I'll bust your ass for it. So they're like, Johnny, go get him. Go go get him. Tell him I tell him tell him I believe that you're like i'm like all right let me be the messenger i will be your mouthpiece um anyways yeah i i agree with you though rule of rose is something i would rather own than sculptor's cut i i mean these literally i just typed random games into price charting i don't think we should ever have to make a decision between these two games no i just think it's a fun thing to do like would you rather but for video games i'm just gonna bring this up all right we'll do, uh, we'll do well, kind of like the does it counts like yeah. how I like to just interject those. I'm going to do this sometimes. Also, one is like literally double the price of the other. So I, I mean, not like I'm trying to be price absent They're In my mind, they're both just games that are overly expensive for what they are. And if you had to okay. own one, which do you think is the cooler one? To own? All right, Johnny, I have here some games that peaked in 2021 or 2020 and the bubble has burst. Oh, fine. Buy now Jim Cramer's telling you to buy these games. They are at this all time lows. This is the dip. Get there. Buy. This is, buy. This is literally the dip. Super Mario Brothers 3, Johnny. This is going to be on the Collector's Quest S&P 500 forever because it's Hold Super on. Mario Brothers 3. Super Mario's 3 dipped? Super Mario Brothers 3 hella dipped. Uh, Hold on. What was what was the grade? Shut the fuck up. Uh, so yes, a, a lot. Of, uh, this Are there is, not? Hold on. Are there non-graded copies of Super Mario Three? Do I, those still I can't exist? believe it, but yes, there are copies of Super Mario Brothers Three that have not been sent into Wada Games. Hold on, right bros or left bros? Uh, you know what? Price charting doesn't care. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so Come on, tell me, tell me what happened. Uh, pre-pandemic, it's like a thirty, thirty-five dollar game, complete in box. Uh, twenty twenty-one, there were a. F- few times that it touched over a hundred dollars i have to assume that there were there were like mint left bro sales in there causing some crazy spikes uh but now here we are in the middle of 2022 it's back down to 65 dollars which is hold on hold on i'm gonna correct you because left bros is its own thing on price charting and so is the challenge set uh, but i'm uh, Price charting data is still going to be wrong. There's going to be I'm, plenty of I'm, left bros that people didn't put left bros okay, in the title. But but I'm just saying that they did try to differentiate. So not okay. all of the sales would have went there. I just want to know that it has been, you know, also the Famicom ones are kind of broken out. So they attempted to. I'm just, just want us to be clear because, you know, if we don't say that, we will get a message saying, well, you know, and then we'll have to be like, yes, but most likely some of them still got through because the algorithm isn't perfect. And yes, they're doing the best they can, but this is still isn't great. Like, we just don't have to backpedal now. I don't think they're doing the best they can. I think they're they're just the making best do they with want what they want to they do. <laughs> they're doing the best that they want. To, okay? I mean, they're a bunch of programmers. Over there. Is it just, like, does JJ still own uh, JJ Hendricks deal own price charting? I have no sold? idea. Anyway. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who to direct your anger to. JJ, do you listen to the show? JJ, Absolutely if you uh, if you're to Collector's Quest, I need you to start up your website jjgames.com again. And I know jjgames.com still exists. I'm just gonna say it. Fuck the new people who own jjgames.com. I need JJ Hendricks running jjgames.com. That was the best store to buy video games online. It was the only place I could do it besides eBay because they show you a picture of every single item they have in stock. It was I know. Perfect. So good. Anyway, I, I'm with you. Uh, so it, it's uh, sad, sad. 
Mario Stock 3 photos are the worst. Dipped from $100 to $65. Um, 30, that's like a 30... Uh, <laughs> really easy math. That's like a 35% dip, Johnny. Oh, yeah. Um, Interesting. I guess, I mean, uh, if you're going to talk about a game that was maybe overhyped, uh, yeah, maybe Super Mario Bros. 3, but also, on the other hand, like, one of the best games of all time. So even, like, if you're going to buy it, here it is. Here's the dip. $65. You guys could probably swing that. If you're an NES collector, you should probably own a copy of Mario 3. Don't wait for it to go above $100 again. And this, like, we said we weren't, like, going to get too much into this, but this is my point, Tyler. I'm going into the rant. Okay. If you say video games are too expensive, and I'm with you, they've gotten very expensive, but then you go to Limited Run or any of these other new games, and you spend on a limited edition, like, $250 or $200, and then you're telling me that old games are too expensive and that's why you don't buy them, when you could literally buy one of the best games ever for the same price, complete in box, as, like, the new Halo game, and you're a collector, just consider that. Like, you could go buy a new Switch game, or you could buy a complete in box Mario 3, and that Switch game will be on sale, I don't know, in, like, a month. Just just saying. Just saying. I obviously 100% agree. Uh, Wii Sports, Johnny, first game I looked up, this game Super was... Rare quote-unquote $10 forever. I would guess that $10 that price charting was tracking was probably high for this game at some point when you go back into the 2000s. Uh, spiked up no. to... What? Wii Sports Why? has always been... Me all the time. What do you want, Johnny? I'm just saying, you know, Wii Sports has been weirdly expensive. It's a phenomenon I don't understand. But yeah, it's always been like more expensive than I ever thought it should be. All right. It spiked up to $30 in 2020. This was like right after the pandemic started. Um, Which is insane. Everyone wanted to go out and they're like, we have to stay inside? Quick, get we bowling. Which I think is it's perfect. I mean, I think there's probably people that are like in their 20s and like, I need my comfort food. My comfort food is we bowling. And that is perfect, Johnny. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. And yeah, it's dropped back down to $20. Like all these prices, obviously really affordable, but $30 to $20, that is a 50% dip on Wii Sports. Super Mar- crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy that it's that much. I mean, it's still crazy that it's that much. Um, it's Yeah, but I can't, ble- I can't believe it got so high that it could have that significant of a dip. That's also crazy. Yeah, I mean, and like these prices are probably pretty solid because there were probably like a hundred copies selling every week, if not more. Uh, Super Mario Galaxy, Johnny, another one of these uh, games that uh, very low price. So the minimum for this, it was like nine dollars in 2016, and then it crept up a bit and got to nineteen dollars peak in 2020. And now it's like thirteen dollars. Again, this is a very affordable game, but that's like 19 to $13 for a game you know is selling every day and is like one of the best games of all time. That's a significant dip, I think. Oh, I agree with you. And I would say this is, this is, uh, you know what, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make my conclusions later, but I bet everyone who's buying this is probably buying it to play it or they or someone who probably already has played it. Yeah, I could buy that. Yeah, you could buy it for $13. $13. Do it. Buy it now. Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation 1, $45 peak in 2021, $38 now. That also has ticked down. Final Fantasy VII, we could talk about it. It had a $58 quote-unquote peak in 2020, and now it's $32. That is almost half of what it was in 2020. Hold hold on. Didn't it have like an $80 peak in 2009? No. (laughs) 
$80 wasn't the peak back in the 2000s. That was the average. It was peaking above $100. So, <laughs> so sad. So Final sad. Fan- <laughs> Final Fantasy VII is one of the craziest graphs on price charting because the most expensive period for it was like 2010. Like people were spending a lot of money for the nostalgia of Final Fantasy VII back in the 2010s around. And then it, it dropped out. I remember that like being a game. Like I would go to the flea market and I'd be like, holy shit, there's a Final Fantasy VII here. That was like a money game. Well, what's weird too is that the price memory didn't stick at all. Like once it crashed, it crashed completely and everyone was like, yeah, that game's $10 now. Like, that's yeah, that's where like, it should oh, be. <laughs> oh, right. They made millions of these. But uh, but like normally people don't agree. You know, you always have those hanger-ons like, no, no, it was $100. It's going to get back there. I'm, I'm not lowering my price yet. I'll, maybe I'll lower it a little, but not all the way. No, okay, fine. Like I'll lower it a little more, but I'm not going all the way down. Normally you have that kind of behavior. Final Fantasy VII, they're like, nope, put it in the garbage now. Let's drop the price all the way down. Resellers everywhere collectively agreed that Final Fantasy VII wasn't worth it. When did the when did the remake come out? Uh, it during the pandemic. So ah, yeah, it came out in uh, April twenty twenty. Wow, bad timing. But okay, so the peak for that is a combination of the remake and the pandemic. But I bet a lot of people were buying that to play it. Absolutely, Zelda. Ocarina of Time. I picked this over The Legend of Zelda because I think the variance and condition of Legend of Zelda are just too much. They're going to make price charting data worthless. Right. TMs, Rs, all all of that, the conditional rarity of the box kind of makes this a nightmare. So this is why we're talking about this. Uh, Yep. And obviously there's a player's choice for this, but $150 2021 peak, and now it is $100. And this is a pretty swingy game, but again, that's a pretty significant dip from the peak on Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yes, it is. And then I put a note here. I looked up a bunch of other games. So, uh, spoilers, the the ones that are at all-time highs, I think, are pretty collector-y games. And the ones that have peaked and dipped, I think, are pretty player-y games. And I looked up all these games like Uncharted 2 and Metal Gear Solid 2. And uh, I, I don't, what's a, I can't think of a cool game, Johnny Quick. Super Monkey Ball. Probably not Super Monkey Ball. because it's God of War. Cute. God of War. So there are so many games like this that you can't even get a read on because they're like, they're like fucking $6. (laughs) Like, oh, the red box. Ah, all the best disc games ever made are still so cheap. Nothing. They cost nothing. God, you could have such a good video game collection. If you grew up on like PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 and you don't give a shit about all this 80s, 90s stuff, man, you have it so good. And the games are so good. Everything. The games are so good. There's so much to go play. Uh, we did a whole episode where we did a draft where we illustrate this point. Guys, video games are cheap. Go buy video games. They're so cool. Um, so many good ones. Yeah. Anyway, so like I can't I can't tell you about Uncharted 2 because it, the price swings between like $5 and $7. There's not really anything I can infer from the data. Well, which version? Because there's about 40 versions of Shut it. Shut up! <laughs> Gotta get that first print five out of five stars in the bottom. Yep. <laughs> See, I knew you. I knew you, if I prompted you, you'd tell us what the first print was. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes, it's the one with the five stars in the bottom, Johnny. Uh, of course, oh, I've got it sealed. Paid like 40 bucks for that. Um, that was uh, in the 2019 Panic, one of the first games I went out and bought. Because no one was, everyone was buying NES games. I'm like, oh shit, better buy the disc games. Like Uncharted 2, one of the first games. I figured out the first print I went and got it. Nice. Um, all right, there's two others I have here. They didn't really dip, and they're not really at all-time highs, well, I mean, okay, first one is Super Mario Brothers. 
I, we have to look up Super Mario Brothers, but also until we have a better way to track prices, it's also kind of impossible to look up Super Mario Brothers. Because I know what the last big sale of Super Mario Brothers was. It was like $70,000 for a matte sticker sealed one. Complete in box, to be clear. But then uh, an average one sells for like $300. So who knows, Johnny? But according to the price charting data, and again, variant and condition matter everything for this game. Averages of $400 earlier this year that have dropped to about $300 now. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the prices got so high that people got a little disinterested, plus inflation and everything. And I think more people are back at work now, so maybe they have less time. So maybe they just don't have the time or inclination to be interested in video games. So maybe some of that's part of the falling off. Yeah, I don't know. Um I, I'm not even going to attempt to guess why. Just speculation. It, I, it's, I, it's just... Man, Super Mario Brothers went from nothing in 2019, and now people have made it like the game to have as a game collector. And it's such a, it's probably the biggest jerk shift in game collecting, I think, that like a complete in box Super Mario Brothers is now like hundreds of dollars and one of the coolest things to have. Uh, I, it's probably just too hard to put a price on. I bet there's so many people that are still averse to the idea of spending hundreds of dollars on a game they perceive as like amazingly common. I'm, 100% sure that's certain. Yeah. Also, uh, as much as I harp on things, like I'll say things like uh, like when we're talking about Final Fantasy VII, like, oh, yeah, John, it's because there's 7 million copies out there. Um, the sales numbers of Super Mario Brothers include Super Mario Duck Hunt, and that's like half of the sales numbers. And there's still a lot of copies of Super Mario Brothers, but I don't think there's as many as... Uh, I'm, I'm not here to hype Super Mario Brothers, believe me. But I, I do think there is... There is definitely, if you want like a decent copy of Super Mario Brothers, there is some conditional rarity to drive that price, I think. Yeah. Do you want a hang tab? What Like, what are you looking for? Circle seal, oval seal. There, uh, there's Johnny, no I want there. a, I want a matte sticker. I've got my first print uh, Famicom one. I still want my first print NES one. Seeing as the last one sold in nice condition for like 60 grand or 70 grand, whatever it's sold for, I don't think I'm going to get one anytime soon. Is that cheaper than stadium events went for? Was there complete in box stadium events that sold sometime no, I, recently? No, I did, didn't. A loose one just sell for insane money like a couple months. A ago. Oh yeah, a loose one sold for like thirty grand or so. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So probably a complete in box stadium events still more expensive than Super Mario Brothers. Sorry, Johnny, you were so excited that Super Mario Brothers is more expensive than stadium events, but complete in box stadium events is the king. Oh Even my god! Even on the super high end weirdo ones, rarity is back. People care about rarity Woo! again. Yes. Yes, we're back, baby. Everything I said about, like, I would rather the most popular games be, like, the ones that people sought after and went up in price rather than, like, dumb, weird things like stadium events. Boy, did I get my comeuppance. I got punched right in the mouth on that one, didn't I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't no. even know, because I couldn't even... If you ask me, is stadium events more expensive than Super Mario Brothers? I, st I don't know what the answer to that question is. I, so I... I, I it's weird that we don't know. It's weird. It's weird <laughs> that we have to be like, I don't know. It could There's be. not. There isn't one. Oh man, video games are weird, man. What are we doing collecting this stuff? All right, I got one more kind of weird one, Johnny. Panzer Dragoon Saga. You mean uh, Panzer Dragon Saga? I don't know why you do this to me all the time. 
it spiked to uh, a little above a thousand dollars in 2020, and it really hasn't done a lot since then. It's been kind of waving around above a thousand dollars, and this goes back to what I said before. I think people have a psychological barrier. Once you get to a thousand dollars, and I think people will spend like eleven hundred, twelve hundred dollars, whatever. But they they don't want to take that to two, three thousand dollars because then you're playing with like the crazy big boys. Can I ask I don't you know, a I quick question? It's just a psychological ceiling for a lot of people. Which variant is it? Is it the one with the white cases or the black ones? Go go into Usenet. Go into like old Sega forums, Johnny. There are people who claim to have bought uh, bought this directly from Sega, whatever you bought it from. And they received, I've seen people who received all white, all black, and mixed black and white in the same box. Uh, so s- opening it up sealed, you might have got different, uh, you might have got like two blacks and two whites. I 100% believe that. If you've ever bought a Sega game in your life, you should know that this could be true. It would drive me crazy. I would immediately switch it out to all blacks, I, I which is clearly to, the superior choice. Yeah, I at one <laughs> point had a mix set, and I don't. I thought someone just mixed it up. Now that you're telling me this, I bet that's just how it came. And I was like, nope, I'm fixing that, and I did. All right, and I guess just to explain to anyone who doesn't know, uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga has a terrible case. It has a uh, one disc the in worst. the case, and then this it has should be like on a three. list. I'm sorry, what? I'm cutting you off, but this should be like on a list of like games that came in the dumbest packaging. Like we should have this like collectibles that are stupid, and this should be on the list. So the the Panzer Dragoon Saga box, it's got one disc in the case, and then just three discs stacked on top of it, loose in like these cardboard sleeves. Awful, uh, awful. They're just like <laughs> feels, you want to scratch your disc. Here you go. Feels really not premium compared to something like Final Fantasy VII, which comes in like this beautiful double disc jewel case. I mean, they're not going to do that for Panzer Dragoon Saga on Sega Saturn. Like, what would a double-disc Saturn case be? It would be a nightmare. But, uh... It's just like that era of PC games where they just, like, dump four CDs in a cardboard sleeve, and you called it good, and you just look, you're like, all those discs are always scratched. It's horrible. Uh, sure. And they're CDs, so they're easy to scratch. Now we live in a world of Blu-rays, which are hard to scratch. You can do whatever you want. You could throw a Blu-ray... Just in a limited run games box, and it would probably be fine, and no one would ever open it, so no one would ever know. Yeah, I keep mine in my pocket. <laughs> All right, so, Johnny, I think we, uh, besides these uh, these last two games here, I think we have two broad groups. So, I literally, all I did was I thought of, like, some popular games to collect, you know, Sculptor's Cut, Rule of Rose, and I thought of some of the best games of all time, uh, you know, due to popular opinion in me, like Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy, Super Mario Galaxy. And I think there are a lot of the super collectory stuff, like Rule of Rose, is at all-time highs right now. It has spiked tremendously during coronavirus. And then in that uh, the group, I also think there's some nostalgic stuff like uh, Contra and uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day. And then I think anything that people bought to play, or even games that like someone might have bought like half to collect, half to play... The Zelda Ocarina of Times, the Metal Gear Solids, Final Fantasy VII, that is all spiked and now has dipped. Interesting trend? I don't know. Is it? Does that mean it's time to buy the playable games right now? You know, my opinion has always been buy the playable games. Those are the yeah. ones that people will care about. They're always going to be the ones that people come back for. They're also the ones that are going to be remade. And I don't know if you look at like the remake philosophy, but... The more a game is remade, the better and more expensive the original gets because the original is the thing. Like, oh, it's so good, and now more and more people are exposed to it over time. So then the original 
like holds a cachet that will never be found again. Like they're probably not remaking Little Samson a million times, but they're going to remake Super Mario and there'll be collector's editions that include it until the end times. Uh, Johnny, I can tell you Final Fantasy VII, the remake part two, or is this going to be like an ongoing series? Are they going to have more than two parts? Like Final Fantasy VII is currently in a dip at $32. Like if you ever want Final Fantasy VII, this could be as low as it goes. I'm not saying it's going to be, but it's probably going to go back up once the next Final Fantasy VII game comes out. I, I also would like to ask people, what are your goals when you're collecting? Like when you bring someone into your office or your space or whatever, and they see your game collection, do you want to point out a bunch of weird games and be like, so this is rare because like, do you want to Tyler it up and be like, okay, so these are Japanese games and this is, they did this weird thing and it came with this weird toy in this weird box. Or like me, I'm like, look at this one. It came with a movie ticket. Like who gives a shit, Johnny? I'm like, oh, but these ones came with toys inside and this one has a different code on the back of the box. People aren't excited about that. So are you one of these type of collectors who want to go deep like this? Or do you want to bring people in and be like, hey, look at these games. These are all awesome games you've probably heard of. Just think about what type of person you are. And there is not a right answer here. Um, but I think if you are like looking at investing into the future and like what will go up and what people are care about, if you're the type of person who has a wall full of awesome games rather than, you know, me, I'm like, I've got 42 movie ticket variants now and I'm so happy to keep documenting and finding more. Do you want to see my fourth <laughs> copy of Ratatouille? <laughs> well, this one was actually King Session Cash and this one was a movie ticket. Uh, just who do you want to be? <laughs> so, uh, if I just in the office I'm in right now, if like if I literally walked in here and wanted to show some stuff off, like I think some of my coolest stuff, uh, my gold Famicom family boxing cart, which is a Famicom competition cartridge. And then I have a, a 1939 World's Fair coin uh, from the Nimitron, which I really like. And I, I could talk about those things for like 10 minutes. And like someone would just look at that and be like, oh, shit, he has tech mobile. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> which is kind of the beauty of set collecting, right? Because you get all of those things, Johnny. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about full set prices. Oh no, let's not. Um, so, if you, I think if you drill down into it, you could find get, there's the games that spiked and then dipped, and I think that's mostly playable stuff. And then there's the games at all time highs, which I think is mostly collectible stuff. But on the whole, NES all time highs, SNES all time highs, uh, GameCube obviously like the most nostalgic thing uh, system for the people buying right now. All time highs. N64 has a weird dip. Uh, I haven't been able to figure out what caused it, but in like the past couple of months, N64 went from $36 average to $26 average, which seems like falling off an absolute cliff. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking that at that That seems like index. like a bug or something, like corrected some data, because that seems wrong. Yeah, and, and it's on loose and, uh, and complete. That, what would have happened there? Like, what... Yeah, I don't know what would have happened. I, like, I checked Sculptor's Cut, and I checked, like, Stunt Racer. Also, really funny, Stunt Racer, most expensive complete in box N64 game, according to price charting. Uh, uh, not true at all. Yeah, I checked. Right. Uh, I, I couldn't figure out what caused it. I, I mean, maybe just randomly N64 complete in box games fell off a cliff. I bet they didn't, because guess what? People really like complete in box N64 games. They really, really like, do. more than NES. <laughs> 
It, yeah, more than weird. SNES. I mean, everyone likes anything more than SNES. SNES. Everyone says it's their favorite console. No one's actually buying those games. Right I now. I just think that people <laughs> quietly buy it. I know I always say that, but I just when you look for nice SNES stuff, it's just not around. So some people yep. are hoarding it. I don't know who these people are, but they've got it. Uh. So I, and you look at some of these other graphs, so like Sega Master System, Sega Genesis, they're also pretty much at all-time highs. They're, I think their graphs are more gradual and maybe make more sense. Like the Nintendo stuff all had huge spikes in, in around 2020. And I thought I was going to look at these graphs as if I could do technical analysis on video game prices here. I thought I was going to look and be like, oh, this spike is, is too high. It seems like it's obviously going to come back down because it spiked too hard. But then I'm just thinking, like, all right, prices are, you know, double what they were however many years ago. But genuinely, I think complete and box prices were too low basically forever. And I think we just brought this up on the show. Like, the... I would say, on average, complete and box compared to a loose cartridge is two or three times the price. At least historically, I, I don't know if that holds down. It probably doesn't for a lot of these games like Contra. Um... But that does not make sense because obviously a complete box game is more than twice as hard to find, let alone in like good condition. Um, so I, I maybe on the whole, I don't see complete box prices really going back. down. I don't either. And if you look at some of the other weird systems that like we haven't got into, like if you look at GBA, the, the price is crazy. The median price of that, like what has gone up from like back in, uh, 2019 it was like nine dollars a game and now it's almost doubled it's like 17 dollars and 83 cents a game for a complete in box i just i think people understand a little better now like the value of the box and the manual so i i think the gap is going to keep increasing between that and cart only stuff yeah i, I think that makes a lot of sense um the more i think about it uh i, I like I like looking at comic prices, even though I'll never buy it. And but just like I like looking at like popular comics that I know, whatever, like major Batman stories and just seeing like going on eBay and I could buy like a full run of like super common 80s, 90s Batman stuff will just be like, here's all 16 issues of this storyline for 40 bucks. And it's like, fuck, yeah, I could still get good comics for essentially nothing. Um, you know, two or three bucks a comic for a physical comic seems fine to me. I mean, and I just think that's where we're going to be comics now. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's where we're going to be with a lot of the, the cartridge stuff. Even, like, maybe, like, modern DVD stuff. Like, maybe just, like, God of War, as iconic of a Sony game as that is, no matter how much people drive demand for it, there might just be too many copies and not enough people literally wanting to collect physical media that that will ever be anything. Which, I mean, yes, there's a lot of copies of God of War, and a lot of them were saved because we have this wonderful company called GameStop. GameStop spot stop GameStop that mean meant people didn't throw out games anymore so well unless you were a GameStop throwing out games or well, the boxes okay. and everything I know you love that uh rest in peace to all the Nintendo DS boxes you want to talk about like completing box prices in the modern era I think are going to go up like poor DS games I think DS so many of those boxes GBA. were needlessly thrown out yeah DS and GBA oh my god 3DS to a lesser extent but also yeah I think GBA boxes like really went in the trash and I think DS games that people could like save because they were plasticky boxes, but man, the cardboard boxes all just, and because they required that separate insert, just, oh, the I loss think, of so, those. I mean, I, logically, I think a lot of people save their DS boxes and obviously 
the Nintendo DS like one of the most successful platforms of all time. So if you want a popular game, there's going to be copies to buy. Uh, I just I, GameStop threw out so many DS cases. Like there's a lot of GameStops oh. and a lot of them threw out a lot of DS cases. So. Yeah, I, that's why I'm saying like significantly. Whatever whatever preservation GameStop did for modern era games, they definitely didn't do for modern era portables. Yeah. There, I I talk to people on these discords and Facebook groups sometimes, the high-end slash sealed market. I think there is, I'm not going to try to track prices for this stuff because it's crazy, but uh, I think there is some vague sense of negativity and pessimism about the high-end market right now, and I think you could see that in people who are kind of like saying, oh my God, things are so cheap, it's, it's time to buy, and like people are trying to kind of like, prop up the market with their comments by uh, being optimistic. Um, but honestly, I don't know because I'm not like looking at everything. I still look at so many games. I'm like, wow, that's still, you know, many thousands of dollars for a sealed video game. My thought on this is if you are actually trying to analyze uh, the current and future state of the high end sealed market, or even like, you know, $70,000 complete in box copies of super Mario brothers, I think you should just talk to the people that are in those groups because, Johnny, that market is really small. There are a couple thousand people in those Facebook groups and a few people in, like, these big discords. And uh, I'm just going to give I'm going to give a similar example for a different market because I'm not buying, you know, sealed PlayStation 2 games graded by WADA on Heritage Auctions. Uh, What I do buy, though, uh, I I get uh, I'm hunting after a lot of rare and expensive Famicom stuff. And I talk to other Famicom collectors, and I frequently am bidding on the same things as them. It's just like, it's just like randomly, I'll be bidding on a game, and I'll talk to someone about it, and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm bidding on that too. And it's just like, how many people are in the world that are looking at Japanese auctions, and we happen to bid on like the same random game? It it, it feels eerily small. But also- It has to be small. I mean, you know it is. Yeah. I've got uh, some pet games that I look at all the time, either because I, uh, I've i been bidding and losing on them, or I, I have people who are like, by the way, don't don't message me this. I have too many people who message me. This. I don't want to buy games from Japan for you. Just go get your own proxy account. But there are, are some people- Are you going to buy me those games or what? <laughs> there are people who like help. want me to buy a one-off game for them. So I'm like constantly looking for and bidding on these games. Like I'll bid on the same game multiple times. And like- there are games that come up like twice a year. And if I was not bidding on them, I know the market for those games would be different. Like I am affecting the market just by being one guy bidding on these games. Like they might go for half the price if I wasn't bidding on them. And so I think there's a lot of stuff like that in the the graded and sealed space. Like if there's what's a, what's like a, a B list, like uh, not, not, it's not B-list, but like Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox. I bet there's a lot of them out there. There might be one guy who is so hot on Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox, he's bidding on every copy, and like the entire market might be dependent on his whims that I don't think you can really draw a trend line of his prices when the entire market might be like one guy and the guy bidding against him. So I just yeah, think that, that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I remember that's how it was back in the early days of video game collecting too. I say the early days, but it's really, it's like the middle ages of video game collecting the early two thousands. You'd just be like, Oh uh, yeah, there's only like five of us actually bidding on these games and uh, we're just bidding against each other. Like that's like what was nice about Nintendo age at the time. Cause you found those people and you discovered, Oh 
you're the guy I fought for that game. Like right now, because I buy dumb weird stuff, it's always VGA collect all. It's always he and I. It's like, oh, you bid on that dumb one with the ball inside. Thanks, buddy. That's now I lost it because of you, and I probably cost you a couple hundred bucks. Like, uh, the market isn't as big as people think it is, especially for obscure stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. And go ahead. Uh, speaking of depressing prices, Collector's Quest is going ahead. Uh, we're going to go ahead and encourage buyers cartels. If you can find people bidding on the same stuff as you, team up with them and don't bid on the same stuff and screw those sellers over. And absolutely, I'll say that here because I'm bidding on Japanese stuff and I know none of those sellers are listening to this podcast. Well, I mean, that's a thing I, I frequently have talked about like before, like, hey, if you like if I know Scott is like trying to bid on something, if it's going to be something weird, I will ask people, hey, are you bidding on this thing? Because I put a bid in, but I don't want to fight you. Uh, should we just take turns? Because another one will come up in six months and I don't have to have this one. Or do you want to wait? Because I don't want to, I don't want to take money out of my friend's pockets and put them in some random eBay seller's pocket. That's not what I'm here to do. Johnny, is this a market manipulation alert that I'm hearing yeah, right now? Yeah, buddy. Whoa. We're manipulating yeah, the market from the buyer's side. We're taking, this is like unions. We're taking control back, putting in the that- power of the regular working class people. Man. With our powers combined. <laughs> um, That's a Captain Planet reference. Uh, sorry. I, I got it. I'm, I'm 33 or something like that. I watched okay. Captain Planet. He's our hero. He's going to take pollution down to zero. So uh, you know. Man, like, we really needed to listen to Captain Planet. Like Captain Planet would probably be, like, more depressing of a show uh, now. Are you, are you kidding? Could you do Captain Planet now? That's not even PC. People are like, climate change, uh, get out of here, Captain Planet, you <laughs> Why asshole. are they indoctrinating my kids to want less, like, gas pollution in the world? Uh, it's funny. Like, that's a, a weird joke to kind of make, but also 100% a thing that could happen. Yes. Uh, I, 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 for some reason, I feel like I mentioned this on the show before. There's a Captain Planet episode where at the end, the bad guy turns into a tree and like his face is on the trunk of a tree. And it was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen as a kid. <laughs> it like, if it, it like frozen zoomed into his face for like the last five seconds of the episode. And then the episode just ended and it was just the creepiest thing I'd ever seen. Like, was he alive in the tree? Was he still he was, alive? Like he was alive and then he got turned into a tree and then he was like, clearly like, uh, Hans in carbonite, like frozen. And now his life would just be that he is stuck as a tree. And that thought just terrified me. That is a very <laughs> scary outcome. An episode of very Captain Planets. Yeah. Uh, also, don't at me about any climate change stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to talk. I swear, I don't want to talk about it. Like, please, if you're if you believe in it, you don't believe in it. Please don't send me messages. Believe however you want. I'm not. I'm not here to fight people on my video game podcast about politics. <laughs> it's See, I can bring stuff up, and more people will message you. So I don't care what I say. I don't. Yeah, I'm I taking know. the I, official stance. Climate change, bad. Tyler. We try not to make political arguments (laughs) on the show. What a political argument. Climate change. I think the word climate change is politically charged. Some people might want you to say, uh, I I don't know. Maybe it's not real and they want you to say something. Oh, what are you, a scientist now? (laughs) Oh, have you done some studies? Let's see your independent research. Oh, no, please, no. Please, no. What do we do with this terrible analysis that we have just done on the video game market of basically just looking up prices on like 20 games? The one thing we're kind of qualified to talk about and we did it poorly. Um, Yeah. What do we do about this? Tyler, I don't know. We've been saying since everything started in 2020 
that it is a weird time in video games. Like when we made our prediction, which I want to say was a 100% reasonable take, like, oh, games should go down. This is what happens. There should be a recession. And here's how the market should look. It was a 100% reasonable take backed by science, backed by data of other recessions and economic depressions, right? We, we knew that was correct. Everything went a different way than whatever we said. Whatever we said was entirely wrong and the market just did this weird thing. So I don't know. We're in this weird time. I'm, I'm curious to see where we are this time next year. Like, has the market stabilized? Did things finally crash? Did any of these bubbles pop? And if they popped, how far how far does the price actually recede? Because that's the other thing. People are like, the, the bubble's going to pop and everything's going straight to zero. And really, the only thing that's ever happened on in video games is Final Fantasy VII. Everything else kind of <laughs> fell a little bit and then, like, stabilized or went back up. See Earthbound as this example. So I... I don't know, Tyler. I don't have a good answer. I don't know what these analytics mean. We just talked about them. We'll give you the food for thought, but you can really make whatever meal out of it you want. Wow. What a what a line by Johnny Ayuchi there. Um, all right. The professional I, analyst, the guy whose job it is to actually analyze data. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. No, I don't know what these numbers mean. Do whatever you want. I think it will be interesting if, like, there's, in addition to, like, the Bitcoin and the stonk price crash, like, if there's also a housing crash, like, are are video games going to, like, generally go down for the first time in history? Because even though we've had this this 20, the there are games that have dipped from 2021 to 2022, the overall average of all games is still at an all-time high for the vast majority of consoles. Yeah, there uh, was like that five-year lull, but it was it didn't go down. Everything like spiked yeah. so crazy high at our back in the day. We thought those spikes were crazy high. They were just spikes. It turns out, like we, um, like we would literally call that like noise. Now it's like, oh yeah, nothing yeah. happened there. <laughs> Something went from five dollars to eight dollars, like whatever. Like that's insane. Can you believe it went up that much? Uh, and now we're just like, well, I I guess it's Tuesday. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see. Like I said, there was that lull, but. Is it going to happen? I'm most curious about if Bitcoin stays down, right? And not just Bitcoin, but using Bitcoin as an overall talk for cryptocurrency. Do cryptos stay low? Because I really like the phenomenon of crypto into collectibles and how that's happened. I'm curious to see what that does. I mean, also crypto into stocks, crypto into housing. Crypto has silently been affecting all of these markets uh, in various ways. So I'm curious if the bottom stays out on that what happens to other markets that were propped up by that or gave people um, kind of what they felt like was in a bottomless wallet that they could do whatever they wanted with. So I'm, I, I want to see where that goes. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there uh, might be people who uh, right now they like, if they get, if we do get into a bind where like there's uh, stagflation, whatever goes on in the economy and people have to sell out of their crypto, which will further depress crypto prices. And I mean, people have less money to put in bullshit like collectibles, Johnny, Will prices yep. actually go down? I don't know. Everything o- always goes up forever, and that still hasn't been proven wrong in games. I'll be so excited if things actually go down. Um, but overall, we're not there yet. Uh, we, I think we are not. Looking at this very small sample of data, I think the clear thing to do is to not buy the super collectory stuff right now and go hunt for the stuff that is actually dipped. Like, 
Zelda Ocarina of Time, all-time high of 150, now it's 100. Johnny, it is literally the de facto best game ever made. And maybe, I don't know, what's the modern opinion? Maybe, like, Breath of the Wild is overtaking it or something? Ocarina of Time will always be desired. It is dipped 50% from its all-time high. Like, this is the time to buy Zelda Ocarina of Time. This is absolutely the time to buy a Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and it's the right time to buy your Super Mario 3 as well. Uh... It's the right time to buy your Super Mario 3. I bet Left Bros are still more expensive than $65. But you know, I'm you don't sure, need a Left would, Bros. My nicest copy is a Right Bros. I don't care. I mean, they were. I was looking and people aren't differentiating as much as they should be. So now is the time to get in on some of this stuff. And use what we've given you as examples and then do some further digging to find out what you should buy if you're in the market to get some of these games. Tyler laid it out kind of nicely. The two zones you should be looking for so try and stay within that if you want to, you know, do some purchasing right now. Or, I don't know, maybe give it a month and see if, if things drop even lower. I don't know. I don't Man, know, time Tyler. Market's it's weird really time. dangerous. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not here to tell you how to time a market. I've yeah. never been successful on that, and I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm a blue chip kind of guy. So I think if, if something has dropped 50%, like some of these really playable games, I think, like, you're you're playing with fire if you're like maybe it'll drop 75 percent i think it's clearly I, I, I the time so to buy too. some of this stuff but like disney disney stock as an example has dipped a bunch and people are like oh yeah you should definitely buy disney but then it dipped some more you're like now is it the time to buy disney will disney ever be lower than this <laughs> if you want disney is it going to go under like 125 dollars? who knows not me i'm not the right guy to ask um if you want, like, collectible market pump and dumper opinion, uh, Alpha Investments, he has a couple videos out that are just like, oh my god, guys, stop having money, buy stocks, buy real estate, buy trading cards, buy anything you can get your hands on, because everything is on sale, because the bubble is popping for a lot of this stuff. Uh, not for Rule of Rose, for whatever reason, but Final Fantasy VII. Anyway, buy Final Fantasy VII's now. Also, how do you not, like... If you don't own a Final Fantasy VII, like, what are you doing? Just go buy a Final Fantasy VII. Put it on your shelf. Like, I, I don't think you have to own that, but yeah, it's such a... If that's something like, oh, iconic one game. day I'm going to get a Final Fantasy VII, like, one of the most influential yeah. games of all time, It there will be a day where history... Uh, history for games matters more than it does now. Like, in comics, like, history matters a shitload because uh, people want the key issues. If you're looking at key video games, like Final Fantasy VII is a key fucking video game in video game history. It will be more than $32 one day. Just yes. buy it now. Um, yeah, we're I've... like making a specific hype. We don't do that a lot on Collector's Quest. Like, just go buy a copy. I don't care how common. It is dirt common. It will still be more expensive than $32 one day. Yeah, if you want to get picky, look into the variants and find like the weird variant you like best. Go do that one. But yeah, now's your time to go get it. Also, as the remake furthers it, like as new kids who are just like, you know, who are basically tadpoles right now. And they're like, oh, cool. What's this? A Final Fantasy VII remake part two. I've never heard of Final Fantasy. Let me play this game. Oh, it'd be cool to own the real one because now I weirdly collect physical media for some reason, even though I'm 12. Uh, <laughs> when they ever get to that point, they're like, they'll, they might pick one up. So I don't know. Get in ahead of the curve. All right, Johnny, are we done with uh, talking about video game economics? We sure are. Oh, oh, does that mean we're getting to the question I'm not prepared for? We, Tower, I like to ask you this every episode. <laughs> do you have a question of the show for us? And do you have any does it counts that you want to run through? 
Oh, we should add a does it count section, but you have to prepare that. I'm not a... Yeah, or does it count, I, or would you buy this overpriced game or this overpriced game? I like your your which one would you rather buy thing, too. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll try and have one of those for, for each episode. Technically, right. we already had one of those, so I think we covered it. The Fleo asks, what was the moment you told yourself you are no longer a gamer but a collector? I don't think I ever told myself I'm not a gamer anymore, so I don't I don't know. Um Man, you got an answer for this, Johnny? Yeah, I do. So I only I only ever had to make that distinction for the internet at large because they were mad that I was buying games that I wasn't playing, even though I was still playing an F ton of video games. Like we have a section on the show which we talk about what we're playing, and a lot of times we just aren't playing anything or I'm not playing anything because I don't know, I've got a toddler and I'm a professional and we do this podcast and I do a bunch of other things and I barely have any time uh, to just take for, you know, larks like video games. But when I can, I carve out the time to do so. Um, so I only ever had to make that distinction when I started buying games that I knew I was never going to play and spending like a lot of money on. So that was like, I don't know, 2007 for me. That that I had to start making that distinction is people are like you, you're bullshit. You're raising the price on games, you asshole. Like I just want to play them, and you're some you're some bullshit collector who's just let them collect dust on your shelf. You fucking asshole. Fuck you, buddy. Fuck you, you stupid collector. Oh, what do you got a job? You went to college? Yeah, go eat a dick for making games expensive. And it's like uh, sorry. So uh, I only had to, ever had to do that for them. So. Yes, I say I'm more of a collector, but yeah, obviously I still play video games. Yeah, I uh, I think uh, there's a long time I I did mental gymnastics to tell myself like, yeah, it's all uh, it's a library. I like picking stuff off the shelf whenever I want so I could play it, which is like maybe 5% of the reason I own so many games. Like I, I've always known that like, yeah, I'm a collector. I, I put stuff on a shelf. I get the enjoyment from having the physical object. That's the nice part about collecting. Um, I will say I, the, I have thrown off all shackles of pretending that like, it's all just a library uh, in the, like maybe two or three years ago um, when I just like started going hardcore after, computer games for computers I don't own and Japanese games. And I'm just like, I just want this because 100% it represents history that I'm interested in. I do not care if I ever play this game. And also like also in the past couple of years, like I've done a lot more emulating than like, I'm, I'm just like getting too lazy to go into the game room a lot. And I'm just like, yeah, let me just like Ultima Ultima four. I played uh, just in an emulator on my computer. Cause I was basically too lazy to go into my game room. Uh, so I'm not even, I'm not even using my fucking library. I, I just I like having stuff, Johnny. I love stuff. Stuff is so I, good. I, yeah, I like material goods. I'm a materialistic person. I'm sorry. Uh, people are like, I can't believe you'd say that. Like, like look, I, look at my Instagram. Of course <laughs> I'm a materialistic person. Like, how do I hide that from anyone? I, I'm not saying that's a badge of honor, but like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to myself or you about it. Um, yeah, I'm all for the jukebox model. If I if I can just play it digitally, oh man, so much easier. Please, you know me. I, I'm about the convenience. Do I definitely want to own the original thing? We talk about this with comics all the time. Oh yeah, I own my comics, but then I read them on Comicsology because that's like way easier, and I don't want to have to like mess them up and stuff. They can just stay all neat and packed in their little box. Just uh, just a weird convenience, and you know that's what I would rather do. I'm not right. trying to go on my shelf and pull them out. I can if I need to. And 
Uh, I have, like, recently. The Polymega, I thought that was, like, really cool because there's some games you just can't get at, like, a bunch of CD-based games. I was like, oh, sweet, I can actually finally go and look at these games and play them and see if they're any good or, or what the hype's about without, like, how do I rig all these wires to my new TV or get... uh you know, a PVM to make sure it works. And, oh, do I have a SCART cable? And do I need this switcher? And how Johnny, I yeah. think you're uncommon Bullshit. in not having figured all that out by now. I, I, mean- know, how to, I know how to do it, obviously. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's a hassle. And I don't want to keep all that stuff around. I hate wires. Like, an HDMI cable is beautiful. Like, just give me one HDMI cable. I think the RetroTink guys are finally working on a 4K scaler. And, like, if that does, like, everything perfectly scaling pixel perfect to 4K... And it's like got low enough latency for video games. It sounds like they're working on the Holy Grail, Johnny. I'm pretty excited about that because I will literally just buy two or three of those for all the TVs in my house and just I'm using a frame meister right now, which used to be like, God damn, you were the coolest kid in the class if you had a frame meister. And now it's like this antique. It like it sucks compared like interface it has like artifacts there's like clear disadvantages like the input latency is definitely not as good as this super cool half a frame scan line things um i really want to start living in the future again uh, and not have this antique frame meister kicking around welcome to the future join me um with, with uh with the polymega yep does the polymega do the thing where it, it no like runs idea. ahead so it's like running multiple games at the same time and has one game running for each possible next input and then no when you press the button, it just switches to that without having to actually process the input. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, 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 I do know what you're talking about, but I live in the, in the world of Apple products. And I'm just like, I don't need to know how the sausage is made. Just like, does it work perfectly? Great. Cool. It, it works nice. That's all I want. All right. Uh, the Gamer Collective Johnny asks, have you ever made a drunk purchase? Talking to the wrong fucking guy. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh. I'm not drunk very frequently. Uh, if I'm drunk, I'm probably playing games rather than buying games. So I'll probably uh, say no. Yeah, I'm going to say, and I don't mean to sound like contemptuous with that. I'm just, I don't drink very often. I'm not against drinking. I, I will do it once in a while, but I'm usually not to inebriation. I have not been drunk in quite some time. So uh, no, no, but I... I've made a bunch of weird impulse decisions late at night where (laughs) you can consider my brain is basically drunk because I'm running on two hours sleep in three days. So have I made some of those purchases? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When I get in the mail, I'm like, what did I buy? (laughs) Have I ever had those moments? Yeah. All the time. All the time. Look, look at my room. Of course I have. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm going to be in the the same boat as you there. I'm going to go with one more question here, Johnny. This isn't a very long episode right now. We're at two hours. Um, what really. game does everybody lag. seem to like but you? But not in an it's just not for me type of way. It's an in an I just don't get what other people see in it type of way. Okay. Angry responses only, please. All right, then I've got a I've got an answer, Johnny. Okay. What what's yours? I have one too. Journey sucks. Journey Ooh. is garbage and i like that game company's previous games i think flower is great journey doesn't have gameplay it's like the most basic shit imaginable but because it's got like this co-op you can't talk to your friend type thing people are like oh my god it's art fucking 
Metal Gear Solid is just a fucking video game, but it is art. I don't give a shit. It doesn't have to be this artsy-fartsy nothing. The same thing with Proteus. Proteus is even worse than Journey, because Journey has the cool sliding down the sunset scene, and Journey has, like, some nice graphics sometimes. Proteus has nothing. It has an art style. I think more people are, think Proteus is bullshit, um, but, like, Journey was, like, winning Game of the Year awards. I don't get Journey at all, because the actual... The concept is interesting. The graphics and sound are nice, but the gameplay, I think, is actively bad. Like, the puzzles and what you actually do in that game is not interesting. So how can it be the game of the year when the actual game isn't good? Just the idea of the game is good. I hate it. I hate Journey. All right. I accept your answer. I'm All not right, going to fight you on yours. It. Okay. So specifically Metal Gear Solid 4, but also what every the fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See? Okay. But also every Metal Gear after Metal Gear Solid. I don't understand them. I don't I don't enjoy them. I I find nothing about them enjoyable. I'm just like, I fucking hate this game. I I hate it. I hate its weird story. I'm not into it. I don't care about bo Big Boss. I don't care about Liquid Snake. I don't care about uh, Raiden or whatever his fucking name is. I, I just, I don't give a shit about any of it. And I hate watching all the movies. I get bored and like, I find the stealth clunky and you're like, oh, I, I'm actually hidden from view from, and I'm like, and this kind of applies widely to a lot of stealth games. You're like, oh, I'm doing the stealth. And you're like, well, you're only like barely out of their view. And if this was the real world, they would see you. So I find this stealth is actually kind of taking me out of the game because I, I think it's bullshit. So all of that, I'm just not into it. I don't like it. I, I, I just, I don't understand the Metal Gear games. I literally, and it's not that I'm an old man because I was young enough when these came out. And I was just like, I don't like these. And I love Metal Gear Solid. And I love Metal Gear 2. I, I like I love Snake's Revenge. I played Snake's Revenge before the original Metal Gear. I got it for I think like a weird trade with a kid, and I just remember being like, "Wow, Snake's Revenge!" And then reading in a Nintendo Power that that was actually Metal Gear Two, and I was just like, "Holy shit, that's right! They did talk about Metal Gears. Oh my god! Now I got to go play Metal Gear." So I was totally jazzed on the series, but yeah, after Solid, nope, don't care. Huh. Like, I didn't even have an experience with Metal Gear Solid because I was an N64 kid and my brother had a PlayStation, but he never had Metal Gear Solid because he wasn't into, like, hardcore video game people games. Um, yeah, the first Metal Gear Solid I played was Metal Gear Solid 2 on, like, the original Xbox and, like, late into that game's release because I remember specifically buying it for $3 at GameStop. Uh, and then I loved it and then I went and played the rest of the series. I'm like, holy shit, all the Metal Gear Solid games are great. So, uh... I don't have to explain my opinion because everyone knows yours is wrong. And I don't accept your opinion. I, Metal Gear Solid I, 4, top 10 game of all time. See, I, I don't <laughs> I don't get it. Like, especially the beginning, I found so incredibly dull. I'm just like, why does anyone want to play this? There's like this tank coming down and you're like in this weird building and the camera angles are all awful. I'm just like, this sucks. Why was this anticipated? Get out of here. Man, remember going down the microwave hallway in Metal Gear Solid 4, mashing the button? And, like, looking back on it, it's very obvious that, like, the, the whole thing is it's just designed as a set piece where you almost die by the time you get to the end. But, man, it was mashing the button. There's, like, tears in my eyes. I'm like, Solid Snake, you gotta make it through the microwave tunnel! Come on, man! Nope. Uh, oh, man. Anyway, right. you're wrong. I'm glad, I had, a con 
I'm not saying that I'm not wrong. It, the question was like, it wasn't like it was one that you particularly don't understand. So like, I was like, oh man, he's he's even brought up Metal Gear in the episode already. Like right in his question, boy, am I going to hurt his feelings when I say this? Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, Andrew's also asking us, uh, is there a game that we like that no one else likes? Do you got, do you got your hidden gem, Johnny? Uh, I mean, I like a lot of dumb games. I'm. I mean, I like Kid Icarus. That other a lot people more don't see pe- the merits in. Yeah, I like Kid Icarus a lot more than other people. Um, I'll have to think about that for a second. We got one. All right, I've got an answer. Uh, Kane and Lynch Dead Men, I think, is a perfectly great third-person shooter. Um, my friend played co-op. Uh, so, the t- if you don't remember, the controversy with Kane and Lynch Dead Men was that GameSpot. Uh, had a review of it. It was re- reviewed by Jeff Gerstmann. He gave it like a six or something. And in the video review, it started out by him saying, this is an ugly, ugly game. And the entire GameSpot website was decked out in Kane and Lynch ads when that review came out. And uh, did they fire him or something? There was like some clear journalistic integrity. I think they fired Jeff. Um, or they, they wanted him to change the review. And he's like, I'm not changing the review. I just call him as I see him. What are you talking about? Uh, and now we have giantbomb.com because uh, all the editorial staff of GameSpot left, went to Giant Bomb, uh, and now Giant Bomb's owned by GameSpot, and then everyone left GameSpot. Anyway, that became a whole big thing. Anyway, I don't think Kane and Lynch t- is, a, is a bad game at all. I think Kane and Lynch is great, and I think Jeff Gerstmann was wrong, which is funny because it led to like my favorite video game website at all time, like the early days of Giant Bomb, I think was the most fun I've ever had on the video game internet. And the whole reason it started was because Jeff Gerstmann didn't like a game that I like a lot. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I, I do have an example. Tyler, I thought of one. Oh, what do you got? Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo. And I'm not saying it's good. It, it's like clearly not good. And it's like... <laughs> it's not good. It's like, it, it's like clearly like a meme game. But, but I got it for Christmas uh, when I went to New York. And I was like pretty lonely in New York because... I got flown out there to go see my grandpa and I was like the only kid there. And I didn't know anyone as like the first time I was meeting this part of my family, my, my Italian New York family. And, uh, it was just like lonely and awkward. And they, for Christmas got me this game. Cause I, I just, Oh, I heard a final fantasy game was coming out. So I got this and it just offered me a thing to do rather than be weirdly lonely in New York. So, uh, yeah, I have, I have like a little special nostalgia for for Mystic Quest. I don't think it's a good game, but I think of it fondly. All right. And it uh Yeah, it came out in between two and three. <laughs> I just can't Yep. <laughs> so weird. Like was it Oh I was disappointed at the time too. I was like, what is this? But I just back when you're a kid, you only get so many games. So I'm like, I guess I'm playing this all the way through. What would people think of a game like I mean, there must be games like Mystic Quest, but like that was intentionally like this is a game for the entry-level rpg player because like people get all pissed off when uh something like elden ring comes out and there's no easy mode or whatever uh will people get pissed off that there's no hard mode in a modern final fantasy mystic quest or do people just uh do people with those opinions just be like oh i guess i'll go find a game tailored for me i have no idea um there's my commentary on the every game needs an easy mode argument all right, that's it for questions, Johnny. All right. Um, what do you what are you buying? What are you playing? Uh, I'm still playing Ribbon. Did I talk? I've talked about that last show, right? The sequel to Mist. I don't. 
I don't know if you did. I think you talked about it on the Discord. Talk oh, about really? it some more. Oh yeah, I started playing. I, I uh, start playing Riven. It's uh, it's like Mist. Uh, I'm figuring it out. I I just felt like Riven was when you start to play it. Like Mist is pretty ambiguous when you start, and you're just like, I need to go find some answers. And then Riven is even more ambiguous when you start. Yeah, it's just it like it was like they dropped me off in Riven. The the guy at the beginning. Well, okay, so I think Mist is a little bit cooler because in Mist, oh, there is an opening cutscene in Mist. But the opening cutscene is literally just like you falling to the island. This has like an opening cutscene with a dude, and it's only like two minutes long, but he's like, I'm going to send you into Riven. Go rescue Catherine, and then you appear there. I think just like, if it just like dropped you there, that would be cooler. But there's clearly a little bit more of a story, uh, a more in-your-face story than Mist, because Mist's story, you kind of have to pick up through pages and books. It's very strange. If you haven't played Mist, this is a really weird game. Kind of... Ahead of its time and how ambiguous and weird it is. Mist was great. Yeah, I uh, I got my graph paper map going on. It's not a to scale map. I'm using the uh, the iOS app Concepts to draw my map and take my notes. If you guys are looking for an infinite canvas map or an infinite infinite canvas app to draw your map of adventure games, uh, highly recommend Concepts. I disagree with this as a practice. How am I going to get your maps when I buy your games if you put it on a digital iPhone or, or some digital app? I need you to hand draw those maps and then tuck them into your game when you're done with oh. them. So when you sell them, I can get them. Are you sure I didn't talk about this? So I'm playing it on ScumVM. Uh, like ScumVM, you think of like, oh, I'm going to go play Leisure Suit Larry on ScumVM. I like I've got Ultima loaded on ScumVM and I've got Riven loaded on ScumVM. It like it just does old PC games now. I like I'm going to go listen back to the last episode, Johnny. I feel like I already talked about this. Maybe you did. <laughs> Maybe I tuned out. Oh, great. Uh, what am I I'm buying? Just kidding. I... Johnny, let me tell you about Mario's Brewery by OEM oh, Incorporated ooh. for the Commodore 64. Hot. Uh, this is a it's a Donkey Kong clone. This is not an official Mario game. It but like the cover of the game is a guy running away from barrels, and like the uh, the gameplay is it's basically Donkey Kong. Is it? It might it might literally just be Donkey Kong. It might have the same exact levels, but it's called Mario's Brewery, and technically it it doesn't have a gorilla at the top throwing down barrels. There's brewery equipment. It's just a really weird rare. Uh, commodore 64 game i thought it was neat it was only 40 bucks just got the cartridge that's pretty cool did i talk what about else did you get um what did i talk about the sims strategy guide and sim fan pack johnny johnny oh okay let me tell you about the most exciting thing i bought did, are you sure i didn't talk about this already i don't think so johnny i got so uh, a couple months ago, I got a disc from Electronics Boutique. So when you pre-ordered The Sims from Electronics Boutique, they gave you uh, this pre-order bonus disc and it has an EB Games or an Electronics Boutique logo on it. And I only knew about this because I had heard uh, a Sims collector specifically talk about the pre-order disc. But when I got the disc and I went to compare it to the picture that the other Sims collector sent me, I realized I have a different disc because there are multiple Sims pre-order discs, Johnny. There's the Electronics Boutique one, and then there's the Sims Strategy Guide and Sim Fan Pack. Also a Sims pre-order disc. Didn't have this one. One came up on eBay finally, Johnny. Did you do it? My... 
my high bid for this was unreasonable. I think, honestly, any bid over $10 for this was probably unreasonable, but my high bid for this was unreasonable. I won it for 99 cents with $3.82 shipping, and they shipped it in a box. So, uh, no one cares about this, but goddamn, I needed to be sure I won it. Uh, very excited. How much, how much was your high bid? Tell us, tell us what your high bid was. It was $90. <laughs> I didn't want wow. to go a hundred because if someone was gonna do that, I was gonna like push the price up, and I'm like, you, you won it for a, all for the percentage in which you bid <laughs> over what you paid is insane. Yes, um, man, like you could uh, if you Google this, like it doesn't exist. And I said this about the electronics boutique disc, which has a different name. Like you Google this, there's like one result, and it's like an old eBay listing from one of those like worth point websites. Um, but yeah, just. A really obscure, cool The Sims thing. Uh, Johnny, The Sims, classic simulation video game. Just saying. Just saying. Oh, Sims okay. is pretty cool. Is it? Should I collect pre-order bonuses? I don't know. Do people collect pre-order? That seems like kind of more chashki stuff. This is a, a CD, so I don't feel bad about it. I don't know if I want to go into collecting pre-order stuff. I, I, I don't know if I want to go like more hardcore and collecting shareware. There's like some some more shareware. I don't know what I'm doing. Don't don't be me, Johnny. The world is your oyster. <laughs> but, you could go all the ways. But all right, let me just say, this is the most exciting thing I've bought. I'm not going to say in this year, but like in probably a month. It was less than five dollars shipped, and it was just like something I've been hounding eBay for. Just like no one knows this even exists. Collecting games is so easy. Just stop buying Rule of Rose garbage and go find something you think is cool. I mean, you did buy Rule of Rose, though. I <laughs> there's like there's like this part of me that unironically is like, oh yeah, those are the collector's games. I guess I should own those. And like, it's the only reason I ever bought Earthbound. Uh, they're just games I own just because, like, yeah. I mean, the collectors own this stuff, so let me go get that stuff. I don't know why makes I do a good it, Instagram. I do. Makes a good Instagram picture that I'm no longer taking pictures for. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think I posted Rule of Rose on Instagram. Oh, maybe I did. I don't yeah, think I did. Because I got it in the mail and it was sitting on my desk, and I'm like, I bet I don't even need to stage this. I'm just going to take a picture of this one on my desk. <laughs> I, I like how you stage it. I like literally pick it up, walk over by my kitchen door because it's a white background. I'm like, snap. Yeah. There we go. Did it. I'm a collector. I used to do. I used to do staging and like ha try to have cool props and like little stories. I'm just like, nah, man, here we go. Yeah, I used to try to take like interesting pictures for each one, and now I'm like, ah, this is this is where the lights and camera are set up. This is where the pictures are being taken. Yeah, I also I realized, and anything you write, no one actually gives a shit. So I just stopped. It's easier just for me to put in a tag that I like. So if I need to research it later, usually all of my pictures are for me later, so I can research my own stuff. Oh, all right. Oh, How dumb is that? Very smart. I'm just like, oh, I would like to have a picture of all the things I got. So, and I, I don't even do that because now, it, uh, you know, just the amount of games, it's going to take me forever to catalog every game and have a picture of every game. Anyways, you get anything else good? Uh, I got, oh, oh yeah. I got a bunch of packages from Japan, Johnny, but let me tell you about the best thing I got. I got Nintendo's first light gun. I don't remember the name of it anymore. Uh, it was like, it was like from 1974. This is pre Duck Hunt, not Duck Hunt, the electronic like projects on your wall Duck Hunt. Oh, this the one, we talked about that. this one. Oh, before that one? Yeah. 
This is, is wait, like. Did we uh, talk about this one in our like an episode? Uh, I mean, maybe we talked about it. This is like uh, it's it came out after the Odyssey gun, but it's similar in the fact that it just looks like a rifle. It is it's it's fucking badass. How did you even get it shipped to you? See, that's why I was excited. Um, I so this was only like it was like seventy five bucks or something like complete in box with one of the accessories that came with also complete in box. So I think I got a great price on this. But I was like, are they going to ship me just a fucking gun? So I I didn't ship it with all my uh, uh, my other video games because I didn't want there to be a problem. And then I had like lost some video games or something. But yeah, Zen Market, they're just like, yeah, we'll ship you a gun. Fucking whatever. <laughs> so yeah, got a fucking gun. Uh, Excellent. Pretty cool. I mean, I think I That's spent cool. probably twice as much to ship this twice because uh, I had to ship it within Japan and then to ship it overseas than I paid for the gun itself. But. Piece of oh, Nintendo hey, so, history. So you know, Forward to Me now has a Japanese uh, forwarding site. I Forward to Me does not pack my packages well, so no thank you. No? I mean, okay. it, there would be people in Japan doing that, so maybe they would do a better job. But like Forward to Me, a lot of times, just throws my crap in a poly bag, and they're like, yep, here you go. Let's throw this yeah, overseas I mean, you, in the mail. Well, you are kind of relying on the person who's initially sending it to still pack it nice, because that, that's yeah, what exactly. Forward to Me will do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Zen Market, you could pay them an extra ten dollars to uh, put it in not just a cardboard box, but they put like the corner protectors on every single edge of the box. That's so pretty I'm, good. I'm pretty good with Zen Market. Okay, what'd you get, Johnny? Oh well, what I played. What'd first, you play, Johnny? What did I, what did I play? Um, okay, so it's May, uh, and I'm a nerd, so I think about Star Wars stuff because. May the 4th. That's what everyone thinks. So May the 4th, so Star Wars. I'm like, no, I think of May 25th, uh, the premiere date of the original Star Wars movie. So I always think about Star Wars in May. Uh, May the 4th is just a byproduct of that. It happens to be in May. So it makes sense that it's like my Star Wars time. But I digress from all that. Anyways, uh, I got a PS5. Hey, thanks again, Mr. CIB. Thank you so much for helping me out with that. Basically, by doing all of the work and then sending it to me and me just having to send him a check. Uh, not a check because I'm old, but actually just like an electronic payment. Anyways, um, so yeah, I got Jedi Fallen Order and that's the first thing I put in my PS5 because, you know, why wouldn't I put an older generation game immediately into my my brand new spanking console, which is supposed to be super powerful and everything? I'm like, yeah, let me play one of these old games on it first. Uh, so anyways, I just wanted to check out the beginning. I really love the beginning of that game and how it looks and, and just the feel. So wait, so. what, you've already played this game? Jedi Fallen Order? Of course I have. Multiple times. Why did you get a PS5? What? <laughs> Explain this to me again. Okay. It is a game that was on the PS4 and Xbox that they re-released on the PS5. Yes. So I got a PS5. And I bought a copy of it because it was $15. And I'm like, and I, I didn't know which PS5 game I wanted to start. And I like kind of have given up on Elden Ring. I'm at, I'm at the end. It's like a weird thing happened. I got to the end of Elden Ring and I just completely lost interest in the game. I'm just like, this part of the game is not fun at all. I'm not even doing anything interesting. And I just stopped playing. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to try out the PS5. Uh, I need to buy a game, but I don't know what new game I want to try, what new series I need something easy, so I picked up Jedi Fallen Order. Also, you know, I love to buy all the Star Wars variants, so I was like, oh, I'll just put this in, and then I played that for about two hours. It's pretty cool. So wait, why did, why did you buy a PS5? What are you planning on playing on PS5? 
I don't know. I just it's the new thing. It seems like the thing to buy. I the new thing from a year and a half ago. I mean, you can't get it anymore, so it still feels new, right? I I guess. I just figure I will always buy one of the systems eventually. So the opportunity came up, and I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, There'll be a game like one of the Batman games or something. I'll want to play. I'll want to play something. So. Anyways, also, I only have a PS4. It's not even like the PS4 Pro. So, like, I have the... This was going to be a large step up. My PlayStation was, like, kind of on the old side and low storage. It was like, let's, uh, let's move up. I had, I had a good reason. All right. It wasn't like the Xbox, which was, like, my main console. So, like, I had the Xbox and then, like, their Pro version or whatever. And then got the, uh, the new Xbox Series X or whatever it's called. The naming conventions on these things are horrible now. But, um... Yeah, anyways, I got it. Uh, man, this is the most boring content ever. Why am I still talking? About I don't know. This? So yeah, I I played Jedi Fallen Order a little bit, okay? And then I played Lego Star Wars, also on the PS5. I have it for the Switch, but I got my... I was like... You want eh, those wanna... shiny-ass Legos. You don't want the Switch graphics. Well, so weirdly, I say I, I'm playing it on the PS5, but I bought the PS4 copy, which upgrades to the PS5 copy. Ooh. So I was like, that's interesting. This one's got two stickers on it, so I'm going to buy that one. Oh, you got that double sticker variant. I did. Oh, man. It's not low-key, but, man, when people are going to figure that one out. Guys, you, yeah, you oh, need the double sticker variant of the Walmart the, 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 <laughs> new Lego Star Wars game. Yeah, I just want you to know that that's a sticker on the cellophane, too, so those stickers aren't going to be around forever. Mm. Just so you know. Did you just open the top very carefully, or did you buy two copies? What would you do, Johnny? Uh, so no, I have my Switch copy that isn't opened, um, because I figured I don't really want to play this on the Switch, and my wife is kind of monopolizing the Switch at the moment. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy the sticker variant on the PS5 or the PS4 version, and it was already opened. They like took the Lego out, but it had the collector's case, and I already have the Lego, so I don't care. So I was like, yeah, I'll buy that. It was forty dollars, sure. So uh, I got that, and I started playing that a little bit. It's pretty cool. I like it. Cool. Looks really nice. Plays a little different than some of the other Lego games. The camera angles are a little different. But yeah, I was enjoying it. I, I'm not like the first to get to these, but I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm excited about Star Wars right now. The Obi-Wan series is going to come out. I hope it's good. Also, the Obi-Wan series features some of the stuff that it was like made canon in Jedi Fallen Order, which I'm excited about. I really like Jedi Fallen Order. I can't, I can't tell you enough how much I like Jedi Fallen Order. I like it a lot. So... Uh, yeah, I think that's a great game. I like only wish it was populated by a, a greater variety of enemies. That's my only complaint. Did you tell me what else you're buying? What's I didn't tell you. I, I, those are some things I have. I mean, to buy. a PS5 is pretty um, big. Yeah. Um, well, I bought the PS5 last time. I think I mentioned. Okay. That. Uh, but what I've been buying, like on my collector train, like what I've been buying, and I've mentioned it in the show already. I've been buying stupid movie ticket variants. I'm just like slowly picking up movie ticket variants for uh, PS2 right now, and then I'll probably move on to Xbox 360 because that's just what I do. I just want to find all the games that came with movie tickets. I don't need to own copies on each system, but I would like to see every individual game that had a movie ticket variant because even those games could be all cross-platform, and they mostly are because they're movie games, so they're like largely junk games. They don't always get a movie ticket variant on every system. So like uh, some of the Harry Potter games, and this is where I figured this out. Some of the Harry Potter games, they have like a movie ticket on GameCube, but they didn't have it on like for Goblet of Fire, but they don't have Goblet of Fire movie ticket variant on the PS2. 
And then Order of the Phoenix, I think, has it on the DS, but not the PS3 or the PS2. So, like, it changes which system got got it. So that's had me, like, looking across all systems to try and figure out, hey, what are all the movie ticket variants? Uh, I think... Uh... I consider you you're like I think this is one of the coolest things to collect in this area of games. I love movie ticket variants. Um, so much. You know I love them so I, much. I don't know who posted it. Someone posted Zarutha. Um well, I don't know, whatever. The Jumanji movie in space, right? Yeah. It might have been like all caps or someone posted a movie ticket variant, and then I'm like, man, that's cool. I want to go get that. And like this it was like thorough, by the way. It was like twelve bucks for like with yep. the ticket and everything. And I I stopped myself because Goals and everything, I think they're cool. I think they are very cheap for how cool they are and probably how hard it is to find them with the ticket still. Uh, yep. But, like, it's going to be a rabbit hole of, like, what, 50 games that I'm going to go down? Like, I'm not... And I got to store them all, and I got all these stupid movie ticket games, and it's just, like, I, I don't need another sub-collection. It's the last thing I need in my life. Yeah, and, like, most of the games are trash, but, yeah, you're you're exactly right. So, Zathur is one, but the beauty of it is most of them are, like, 10 and $12 games. So, you're like, I just bought 10 games, I spent 100 bucks. You did just spend a hundred bucks on games that mostly people don't care about, but if you got the one with the ticket, like, and that will one day fetch a weird premium. Not that I'm saying you should buy this because the value, the value, yeah. that's, that's not it. I just think it's neat. And you have to, you have to do some research and you have to look through. And sometimes the ticket is embedded in the manual and sometimes it's just an insert in front. So like, you really have to know what you're doing to, to make sure you find it. And I, I enjoy the hunt. Uh, the other thing I got, Tyler, I have one more thing, and then I'm going to stop talking about things I bought, and I'm going to stop talking about Star Wars, or maybe I won't. Um, I got the Star Wars for the X68000 Attack oh, on the Death Star. That so is really cool. cool. It's so good, because this only came out in Japan. There's also, like, a PC-8000. I'm getting that wrong. There's uh, another, like, version of this, but I think it was in Japan only as well. So... At least it didn't come to America. I'm confident on that. Yeah. So this was uh, an X68000 game, and it was ported to the PC98. So 98. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Exclu- so uh, just a star exclusive Star Wars X68000 game to Japan. That's so crazy. Just like, why? There there must yeah, be so uh, many Star Wars ha- games. And it also, they're just it must be so easy to just be like, yeah, let's just take that Star Wars game. People will buy anything. Yeah. Uh, so it's weird did that like how did it not make it here? It came out in like 1991. Uh, Pretty cool. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go hold on. I need to go look at some of this uh the footage of this game. It's pretty cool. Comes Attack on floppy on disks. Oh, what oh man, it's like 3D. Oh, so it's got like wireframe-ish graphics. It looks like Star Wars arcade, but it's yes, a computer game. It looks game. like Star Wars arcade, but it's not. And it's like it's not like you're on rails. It, you're like flying around the Death Star. It almost looks like Elite. This is pretty cool. Why doesn't this come out in America? Oh my god! Like he goes, like you get to the Death Star, and then there's like this little transition, and you go down into the trenches. I mean, I, I'm never gonna load up an X68000 emulator and play this game. This game is pretty cool. It is pretty cool, oh. right? It it's like. If Star Wars Arcade, if they just remade Star Wars Arcade 10 years later, that, that it could be this game. Yeah, it also has a sweet looking box. The cover art is awesome. So it, it's got the Death Star, Death Star 2, if you want to know exactly which one, and the Millennium Falcon. So <laughs> like uh, flying away from it, it's not like a scene from the movie exactly, but you got some A-wings in the background. You got some X-wings. It's just like a cool looking box. I, I like it a lot. All right. 
I'm into and the box is yeah, and the box is like uh like a hard case box too, so it's not cardboard that you have to worry about mushing. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. I was it's so happy got, to get this probably card. got uh five and a quarter floppies in there. It feels yeah, like some buddy. real substantial media. Yeah. Oh, you buying Japanese computer games, Johnny? I am in. Believe me. I'm 100% on board with this. Purchase. I know. It's the weirdest the weirdest thing about like now do I need to go get the PC98 version which has as the oh man, I am going to mess up the floppy. Which ones are the smaller? There's the three quarter inch floppies, right? The it's smaller three and hard a half ones and then five yeah. and a quarter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the PC98 has the uh three and a half inch floppies. Yeah, PC ninety eight. That's a little bit modern for my taste, Shani. But uh, yeah. yeah, but it's basically the same box. Uh, like basically everything looks the same in there. So. All right, cool stuff. Anyways, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what I did. All right, is that the show? I think it is. Tyler, where do you want to tell people to find you? Uh, I'm on the video game Sage. Uh, I'm still on Instagram. I just don't post there. Uh, and I'm on Discord. So just message me on Instagram or Discord. I'm default Gen. Default G E N. You can also find uh, our friend Stefan. He is on mainly Twitter and a little bit of Instagram, uh, Art of NP. If he's got stuff going on. So if you want to find him, Google Art of NP or Art of Nintendo Power. I'm sure you'll find him. And hey, I'm Johnny underscore Iucci. That's I-U-C-C-I if you don't know how to spell my last name. And uh, you'll find me mainly on our Discord and a little bit on Instagram. But hey, if you want to get onto our Discord, here's the plug for our Patreon. If you want to join a Patreon, join for as little as $2 or as much as 6 But $4 is the is the best place to join because you get the bonus content and you get access to the Discord. But you also get access to the Discord at the $2 range. So if you want to support us or show some love for the show, that's the best way you can do that. But if you can't afford it, don't worry. You're still getting the same great show. You just get some other other stuff if you want to pay. But Bonus content is not worth it. Just if anyone's on the fence. <laughs> people, you know, you say that, but the people who like our bonus content, like we, someone was having a bad week and they like message us how thankful they were just for some bonus episodes. So yeah. like uh, we are, do we always have to self-deprecate? Can we just be like, we do a pretty good thing and like maybe people enjoy it. I will never and not I'm, self-deprecate. Sorry. I know. It's and just... I'm, and I'm not, and I'm not suggesting people should like run out to like send us money. Please don't do that. Like if you want to, sure. Like it's the, the least hard sell. I think we, we can give. Uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, if you want to be a part of that, really the best thing. And I think to Tyler's point is $2 you get on the discord. Really the discard is the best part because we've got a bunch of awesome people uh, to talk to and chat, chat with uh game stuff they're, they're going to be like-minded individuals who can help you find stuff and help you learn they help me learn all the time so uh, i love our discord and thanks for, so much to all the people already there which i forget to say all the time so uh for those who have already done so don't, thanks so much means a bunch don't worry they get a very lengthy shout out at the end of the episode uh, i know i know you i you know i listen to the episodes to hear your shout outs like I, I go to the end and listen to you do it each time because <laughs> it's amazing. If you stop before the shout outs, cause you don't care about the patrons, like don't worry about that part. Don't be like, Oh, I don't want to hear the patron. Just listen to the effort that Tyler goes through. This is not pre-recorded. Tyler does it all by himself each time a new one because new people come in and some people leave. So he just does this shout the whole time and he varies it. It's awesome. I, I love that you put that effort into it. It's pretty amazing. So applause to you. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. All right, that's it for the show. Thanks. Bye. That is our show. Errata for the show doesn't matter. We recorded it two days ago. The market has either doubled or crashed by now. Nothing in this episode matters anymore. And uh, I'm feeling just a little under the weather. We're going to do some mellow shout-outs today. 
Thank you to ApeBit, apebit.bandcamp.com, like the monkey. He does our intro music. Hope that everyone loves that I'm not doing intros anymore, because the less I have to record and edit, the better. And you're going to listen to the episode. You probably just read the little two sentences in your podcast app to decide if you want to listen to the episode, right? Thank you to the patrons. Richard, patron number one, Bowden. Canadian Variant Alert, Chris Glidden. Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jacksvick. High-end collector, Andrew Brim. Greeting stranger, I'm not surprised to see Andrew Shelton around here. 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre. Video games were meant to be slabbed, Brandon Ackley. Brian Gupta and Pocky and Rocky with Becky. Mint Condition Brian J. Mora, the strictly limited super rare Bruno. Fat Cat Collector Chris Jackson. Chris SNK, too many NES accessories, Morozek. Johnny's GBA hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn. Playing with Power, Connor Strange. The last game you need for the set, Corey O'Brien. Unpunched Hangtab, Dustin Beagle. He has returned to judge this city, Eric Addison. Man of Nintendo in the world of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta. Another vinyl collector, Grizzly X Bear. The Actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy Farris, Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, Joseph Garris, he's just out there achieving his goals, proud of you. The Nintendo Tape Archivist, Joseph Leo, Lance, Lord Hardstyle Z, The Degenerate, Matt Fall, Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here. Funko Land Employee, Platform Agnostic, Red the Game Shark, The Famicom Box Retro Game Enthusiast, they can beat Ghosts and Goblins twice, Chefish. Vintage video game connoisseur who knows they're better than modern games, The Fuzzy. Sean, The Gamer Collective. The New Craft, who can beat Mega Man without the pause trick. Previously unknown variant, Tim Walker. From the internet, Todd Fisher. Can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic. The Willennium, Will Joe. Keeper of the Zelda variant, Zero X Dev Code. Getting a full PS2 set because Stefan won't, all caps. No gods or kings, only Andy Lancaster. What a 9.8 A++ Benji. The actually rare Bird Dog Gaming. Dropping the Mario 64 Penguin off the map, Brandon Chalker. Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode. Christopher Piper, still shaken from what he found at Goodwill. Still finding deals in 2022, Colton Murphy. A winner is him, David Green. Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show. Don Libby, the hero of time. Double Ugly presents Double Ugly, the official game of the movie. Actually understands the Zelda timeline, Jeff Pierce. He is error, Jeff Russell. Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk. Joe actually plays his games Champ Pity. Video game art collector, because video games are art. Justin Chichio. Lateral Movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael, posting in the Discord right now, Chiara Monti. Nancy Hollenbach, pro skater. Nick the Video Game Database Morgan. Homebrew Mastermind Divertov, the other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games. Dungeon Master Reed Stubinick, The Promoter, Retro RPG Podcast, Tom Obscure Variant Chaser Chase, Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games, 32 bits or less, do the math. Andrew actually collecting Engage. Oh, Ben Parker, a bad enough dude to rescue the president. Chesno, all your base are belong to him. Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The Modern Database, Danny Gomez. The Philatelist, Dork Overlord. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. Uh, he had a new review up. I think it was Tunnel Runner. What, what, what's, what's the new review we got on Game Rave? Cyberspeed. Cyberspeed like Tunnel Runner. This game looks dumb. I got, right, I got to watch this to see why you're reviewing this stupid game. <laughs> 
Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon, collector of everything, including Atari, Caleb McAteer, Noah Nintendogs Giganti, Sam, Sega Mark III Marks, Sean the Video Game Illuminati LaCroix, and Hegemon of the Geek Empire, Valdor the Great. Thank you guys so much.